0: you're listening
1: to feral attraction hosted by metrico and vero the science collie on this week's show we open with a discussion on cheating in america is it older or younger americans being more adulterous our main topic is on underwear and sex party etiquette we go over how to be a good attendee or host of a play event at your house meeting space or con we close out the show with a question on moving past guilt. Hello again, and welcome to Feral Attraction. I'm Metrico. And I'm Vera of the Science Collie. So, there's been a lot of things in the news recently. It's, it's news cycles tend to follow celebrities politicians things of that nature and a lot of celebrities have been going through very public breakups we have scaramucci who is obviously getting divorced because of his love affair with donald trump but and yeah i know right <laughs> man that relationship didn't last long that's like a las vegas wedding right there <laughs> uh, i mean i i've 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 had you know ugh, it's it's i think britney spears like i said marriages that have lasted longer but you know here we are And I wanted to kind of have a discussion about cheating and relationships and all of that. And I found an article that discusses that. And, you know, in full disclosure, this is the second take of this episode because Fear and I... um, realized while we were discussing this article that there are fundamental flaws with it. And Vero pointed them out. And we wanted to kind of shift the way that we were talking about it. We
0: fixed it. I think we fixed it. And, and so we decided to re-record so it'd come across a bit more, more clearly. But hopefully we'll have the same verve and enthusiasm yeah. as we did the first time around.
1: So, full disclosure, because there are flaws with this. I want to get that out of the way before we even get started.
0: It doesn't quite give us the information we
1: actually want, but it does give us some yeah. cool information. So let's it's take, take it from the top. It's to starting point. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) so the article posits that older americans are cheating more on spouses and this is written by nicholas wolfinger who is a professor at the university of utah uh, department of family and consumer studies and he says that older americans are cheating more on their spouses than younger people with 20 percent of married americans over the age of 55 reporting that they've engaged in extramarital sex Just 14% of those under the age of 55 say that they've cheated. So here's the thing. This is a study that is done by the GSS, the General Social Survey. And what they ask is not, have you cheated? But have you engaged in extramarital sex? And we want to make that point clear before we continue. They were able to determine that the rates of extramarital sex by age have diverged since the year 2000, with increased extramarital sex reported by people in their 50s and 60s. Most of these respondents um, have been married between 20 years and 30 years of age. Now... Again, we're looking at 20% over the age of 55 versus 14% under the age of 55. It's a fairly even split if we take away the fact that most people aren't engaging in extramarital sex when they're you know three years old. So what it really comes down to is a you know fairly equal amount of individuals are engaging in extramarital sex, but the older population is doing it a little bit more. Why? is that it's Wolfinger tried to kind of wrap his head around it. And what he said is, well, with marriage, the longer it goes on, the lengthier the marriage is, the more midlife crisis, you know, crises that happen. That's a possibility, but it's also possible that a lot of these older individuals who were, you know, part of the sexual revolution, part of Woodstock, things of that nature, um, They came of age in the wake of the sexual revolution of, you know, girls being able to show more than their ankles at a beach. And so perhaps over the course of their lifetimes, uh, they've had more sexual partners compared to younger Americans who, as we've looked at in previous weeks, are having less sex, perhaps. So we had some issues with this article, um, and Vero with your shiny PhD, you immediately latched onto it. It took me a little bit more of a second to kind of get there. Um, I guess that's yeah,
0: yeah, right. so that's like the one thing is like so there's this problem where he's talking about two different things, right? Yeah, like that statement does fourteen percent of those under age fifty five say they've cheated. That's not true. And you have to be very careful about how you represent this work, right? Because they didn't actually measure cheating. They measured self-reported extramarital affairs, so that means they were only comparing married couples. And for one thing, there's this problem where you know, because people you know over time might have actually chosen to select out of being married as more awareness of the things we talk about on this podcast came into fruition, right? So things like polyamory, relationship anarchy, uh, swinging, uh, open relationships, all the stuff, right? Being monogamish, all that stuff. You know, Dan Savage's column's only been around for what now? Going on maybe two, 22 decades. So, like, you know, it hasn't been yeah. <laughs> it hasn't been that long. So, <laughs> we gotta factor that in. There's a, maybe the Savage Lovecast effect. So, you know, people who are aware of this stuff might might be selecting out of the marriage pool. In that case, maybe you know, there's actually we're not re- reflecting as much cheating due to that reason. But there's also an issue that I think might be interesting here, and that's an issue with self-reporting, because they weren't measuring affairs they were measuring self-reported affairs which means that what you might actually be measuring is a difference in comfortability owning an affair rather than a a difference in the number raw number of actual affairs perhaps it's just that older people are less ashamed of of adultery right that's quite possible that older people just have less shame and we know that that's true because i mean we've done a three-part series on shame that's because shame is a young people's person's problem generally. So kind of have to kind of look askance at that one, because, again, they didn't measure the thing they said they wanted to measure, which was differences in the raw amount of cheating. What they measured was differences in self-reported extramarital affairs. So you just got to be very careful that you you remember
1: what it is you actually measured and don't try to make claims beyond that, right? Yeah, he does try to extrapolate some information from this to say, well, if we can figure X amount of people dabble in polyamory, yada, 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 I still don't buy 100% what he's saying. It's one thing that he does say that I do slightly agree with is that the longer that people are together, the more likely it is that their relationship shifts to a more companion, companionate you know, style of marriage. And he calls that a gray divorce, which I don't like. I don't like that term. It's where you're in a companionate relationship and rather than seeking each other as sexual partners, you seek other people that that's kind of what a companionate relationship is in a oh, man, sexual I, sense. I, I fucking hate that. And I'm going to Isn't swear it here. awful?
0: I'm going to sway here because I think that's extremely disrespectful to asexuals and graysexuals. Because it's awful. There are tons of asexuals and graysexuals in loving, awesome marriages and they aren't fucking divorced it's because they're not fucking you, asshole. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That's so... aw- sorry, I'm actually angry. That's shitty. Yeah, it's <laughs> like... I... I didn't really... I'm sorry. Like... I'm sorry, asexual population. That I'm sorry I have this inconsiderate jerk. Yeah. And he, I think he mainly meant well there, but that's a really terrible turn of phrase to use.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I was not very fond of that. Um, that's fucky. To put I've it. heard not I've to put heard it. gray divorce used in other ways. Um, like it if like you, gray do like, well, I don't. Well, I don't. <laughs> well, it's I've heard gray divorce used more in terms of you are. Um these you are a widow or a widower, um gray as in your gray hair, like your partner your your spouse has died, and so rather than it being like a we're still together, but we're fucking other people, it's more my spouse died, and so now any sex that I have is extramarital because my spouse is dead, um which again, I also don't like it, it's it's there are a lot of things about this uh this article the way that he wrote it that I wasn't really fond of. And are we going to call, are calling death, the twilight divorce now, or what? How uh, so? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, oh God. Like that's, that's, that's when you're married to a vampire and you like stake him through the heart. <laughs> it's there. There are some things that we can take away from this. You know, it's the, between 1990 and 2010, it's the divorce rate amongst people over the age of 50. Um, it has risen. And so some people do point at that as being an escalation in cheating, because for most individuals, ethical non-monogamy would not result in divorce, because everybody's in on it, everybody's good, polyamory, it's meant to be ethical. But again, and that's, that's the extrapolation that Wolfinger tries to make. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that that's a poor extrapolation because relationships fail for many other reasons, not just, you know, because of sex. They can fail because of socioeconomic issues. They can fail because I got a new job and it's going to take me somewhere else, but you can't go with me, so we better separate. There are so many reasons that divorce can happen. I don't like the idea that divorce is happening at a higher rate strictly because of... Um, sex extramarital sex. I don't like that extrapolation. We live currently in a fairly stressed economy in America. Um, it's, it's a politically stressed environment for many people. And so with high tensions comes high stress and high stress in a marriage tends not to go well. Um, I don't necessarily buy what this individual is saying. Um, I, I referenced this article because initially I thought, hey, this is really cool. And then through the course of reading through it and then discussing it with Vero, we're like, holy shit, this article is really bad. And we wanted yeah, to reference it. To
0: but it was so bad we had yeah. to re-record the segment. So that's that's a sign. I think it's a, that's actually a show first. Yeah. being so angry at an article that we just like, had to re-record it. Yeah. But,
1: uh- <laughs> and, and I mean, it's not to say that, you know, this individual is perhaps wrong um it is to say that he is wrong it's 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 i don't necessarily really like what he's saying because i think that it's it's he's extrapolating all this data in in this this really horrible fashion well there's also a problem of like if you
0: exclude the people who are polyamorous that's a huge fucking mistake right because i'm married and i'm polyamorous (laughs) so like you can't do that because there's going to be people who are poly who are married people who are poly and who are not married people who are ethically non monogamous who also choose to marry because hey marriage comes with a lot of great government perks, right? Like so you can't really like that there's a there's a lot of like you can't really separate those things out. So even if you yeah. try to play like fast moves, oh, mm-hmm. X percent of the population is poly, you yeah. got, then have to subtract from that the percentage of the population who's poly and married,
1: right? Yeah, so- exactly. Yeah, so like you can't really... He's playing a little bit too fast and loose here, I think. And, yeah, that's, then, and then he's referencing, you know. like, again, the gray divorce thing, which is, again, it usually means either you're a widower or you are older, 55 or older, have gray hair, and you get divorced. You get can we divorced take that, later in life. Can we take that term out back and shoot it, please? <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% okay with that, because I it's I feel that he tried to use it in the way that it's meant to be used, that it's an older couple that has gray hair that gets divorced, but the way that he used it was so poorly nuanced. It's, it's like an, it sounds like an
0: analogy analogy to gray sexual yeah. asexuality, like, which I makes it a horrible, which
1: makes it practically a slur. So yeah, I'm not okay with that. I <laughs> really dislike. Um, He does try to say, no matter how many polyamorous there are today, old-fashioned adultery seems to have risen among older Americans. I don't see that. He doesn't have the evidence to support that claim. And he has a whole bunch of charts and graphs, and he's like, look at the trends, look at the trends, but the questions are not correct. It would be like me asking how many people go to the gym and using that information to cite, look, America is getting fitter, not fatter. Like that doesn't work. Like it, it, you're not measuring the correct endpoint. Exactly. Is what I, which is exactly what I was getting at, right? Yeah. The the endpoints are not so. being examined. The questions are not correctly tailored for this. Is this a topic that is worth looking into? I think so.
0: Yes. And he's playing fast and looks at his vocabulary. So he's he's yeah. calling it extramarital affairs in one place and then later on he's making claims about cheating. And you can't do that because you didn't measure cheating. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. Yeah. It's an so, interesting article, but it has some issues. I think also it's, just, it's good to talk about because I feel like when a lot of people read this type of stuff, they don't think about it carefully enough to realize that measuring cheating versus measuring extramarital affairs is not yeah. the same thing, right? Like that's yeah. – those are different things. So you have to – yeah, that that's I, interesting to think about.
1: Quite frankly, I want to take the word extramarital affair. I don't like that phrase because it it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, it's, it's an kind of, extramarital affair. It, it,
0: it doesn't really describe the behavior you're curious about. You're curious about what you're curious cheating, and you're curious about whether or not the person happened to be married. That's it, yeah. right?
1: It's it's honestly, like, I, I think the phrase that we should use is, like, ethical extramarital sex and unethical extramarital sex. Because that's, that's the real question, right? Yeah. yeah. Is the sex—are Are the statistics, is this 20% over 55, is this 14% under 55— are they engaging in ethical or unethical extramarital sex? That is the question that has that we we want answered, but this study does not answer it. Because okay. but this individual would like to pull that information, and he does not succeed on that. So when it comes to articles like this, it is important, like Vero said, that you look at the words that are used. If you see all of these terms shifting around—extramarital sex affairs, cheating—these are not interchangeable words. Again, it's like jealousy, envy. <laughs> you can't use the two words as the same thing. They—they're—they're they're all different things. And this is why it's always important when we talk about what does this mean to you for this individual. Extramarital sex affairs and cheating all have the same meaning. Right. And the I... first thing we—the rec- first thing we recorded. Magico and I confused
0: each other because we were using these terms and we were using them differently according to how he used them in the article. And we got so confused and angry with each other that we had to re-record. because yeah. we actually got completely off the rails. Yeah, so it, was,
1: it, it, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, like it was, we had to change one, like Vera went through and was like, here, we're going to change this word. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see your point. Because I was <laughs> using them like the way that we use them and he's using them in a completely ass backwards way. Yep. <laughs> so it's important. First off, I don't think this man and I could date. Second off, it's 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 important that you always ask. What do you mean by cheating? What do you mean by extramarital sex? What do you mean by an affair? Because in one article, this man managed to use them <laughs> in ways that I have never
0: seen. Yeah, it's, it's okay. He he meant well, I think, but it, yeah. it came out a little it came out a little floopsy doopsy.
1: So ultimately, what I would like to see. Is I would love to see a study that shows unethical versus ethical extramarital sex and how that differs between these age groups, these over 55 and under 55, because that's going to be the real juicy shit. It's going to be the real good shit. Again, I don't like the a lot of the terminology that this guy used. I don't like a lot of the nuanced phrasing that he used. It seems that he's equating polyamory um, ethical non-monogamy it, it's it's he, he he says the possibility that the data reflects rising participation in polyamory or ethical non-monogamy which is extramarital relationships and it's at a certain point it's like it, 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 I don't like the the way that he's It's all over the place it's so not good it's but, like anyway, yeah, yeah is it extramarital yes is it a relationship yes but, but marriage doesn't even need to be in the mix is the thing and it, you just it's really you just you're trying to and earlier he was trying to exclude those from the, when yes. you, from the married data so like you yeah. can't have it both ways man yeah he's it, this guy sounds incredibly judgmental and and
0: he's just not using terms terminology correctly and that bugs the shit out of me
1: yeah so just yeah uh. Is anyway, this, Is this type
0: of the show worth, useful? Maybe. I, I think it was worth <laughs> discussing. Yeah, we're, we're just going to go to Zootopia style. Was it worth discussing? Yes, it was. Do you need to read the article? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, we'll still link
1: to it, but it's not really worth your time. We Thank read you, it G- so Tops. you don't have to. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: we, went, cannot... we want Judy hops on this shit. Okay,
0: that's great. Let's move on to our topic, shall we?
1: Yes, please, because... Um, awesome. Yeah, and this is a good let's one. Get, this let's is get, one get almost nude. Uh Oh. It's hot enough in Seattle and New York, I think, to justify this this week. Shall we have an underwear party, Metrico? Oh, oh I mean, I, I already was. <laughs> You've fallen into my trap card.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, so, yes, yes, our topic this week, as if we, if we already gave away, is underwear and sex parties, in particular the etiquette. In, oh, and, of course, Vera forgot to mute his phone this week.
1: Oh, that's not your remote control? no so while vero mutes his phone he he has a smart tv and his remote is basically an android um like it it uses android os and it it started making beeping noise and i was like what the fuck he's like my remote control is calling me hold on
0: (laughs) i like how my home phone never rings unless i'm recording the show (laughs) Uh, gotta (laughs) love right you might even ask why does vero a futuristic technology colleague even have a home phone and that reason, is... the answer is my CenturyLink gigabit internet service is cheaper if I have a phone than if I don't, because that's how things are sold these days, gentle- gentlemen and, and ladies. I don't know why. Yeah, it's baffling, but you know
1: what? So I've got a home phone, it's fine. Makes sense. (laughs) By the way, that is not the phone that rings if you happen to call our show. (laughs) No, it's not. Don't get any (laughs) (laughs) idea.
0: They are not cross-linked.
1: Alas.
0: But yeah, so underwear and sex party etiquette. So basically, what are we even talking about? So underwear parties, like what even is an underwear party? Or a sex party? Underwear party is kind of a euphemism that's used pretty often in the furry fandom. You hear a lot at conventions, like, oh, come to my underwear party. The idea is that it's a social gathering that often involves libations, which by which we mean alcohol. And often there's music and there's often, you know, a room, whether it be a suite or somebody's room that's just being used to host a party. And people, it's either open invite or it might be just a guest list or it might be, you know, might be, you know, bring a friend. You never, you know, you have to see, it depends on the party. But the point is they all share one thing in common, which is that it's expected that once you're in attendance at the party, at some point you're going to get down into your underwear and you're not going to take off the rest of your clothes. Um, so the idea then, you might think, well, is that just like a youth movement for turning into a sex party? And the answer is maybe. So some, some of our parties are meant to just be a kind of flirty, fun, we stay in our underwear, we socialize, and then we leave kind of thing. And sometimes they turn into the other part of what we're talking about, which is just a plain old sex party. And I think oftentimes people feel a little bit skittish sending out an invite to a sex or a play party. You might also hear them call it a play party. Uh, and the reason for that is that when you call it a play party or a sex party, it's kind of a high, a big ask. Like if you show up at this party, you're going to be having sex, right? And so that kind of scares off people who might think, oh, what if I just want to watch? Or what if I just want to have a drink? Or what if I just want to kind of chill? And I don't want to fuck or I don't want to get my dick sucked or I don't want to have somebody doing that to me, Right. So in that case, I think, you know, an underwear party is a safer thing to invite people to because the idea is, well, no matter what, I'll at least have my underwear on. The worst that's going to happen is I might get groped a little bit, right? So it kind of limits your exposure to unwanted sexual contact potentially, and it also kind of gives you a safe barrier to I can kind of very clearly state whether I'm down to fuck or not by whether my underwear stays on, right? That's kind of a reasonable signal so uh i think underwear parties tend to be the more popular one to host just because there's that lower ask to, to get people to attend and in some cases you can even say that the underwear part is optional you stay in your clothes if you want and that's sometimes that's the, that's the rule and sometimes it's you know, no you got it. if you show up you gotta be in your underwear so as you can tell these vary heavily and it's often the case that you want to ask that magical question. I always recommend, which is, "What does that mean for you?" So, when someone says, "I'm having an underwear party," your first question should be, "Oh, that's awesome. What does that mean for you? Is it going to turn sexual? Do I like? Am I? Do I have to be in my underwear? What? What is the? What are the expectations? What? Are, what is? Have you done this before?" Uh, you know, always ask these types of questions before agreeing to go to one of these. But you know, we're going to talk about it in, the, in the
1: general, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, and I would note that. You know, those are good questions to ask, but always remember that just because somebody is telling you about a party that they're having does not automatically mean that you are invited to said party. So Indeed. You know, just keep that in mind as well. Keep that in mind. It's you can say you can ask to attend, but just because you have knowledge of a party happening does not mean that you can gate crash the underwear party. <laughs> one thing I, and, you know, be
0: mindful of asking to come because that's you are putting the host in an awkward position uh, in that situation. So uh, we talked about this a bit in our general etiquette show, I think. Yeah. Uh, but one thing you want to do if you're ever in this, you know, we actually didn't put this in the show notes. Just go mentioning it now. Uh, if you are trying to get yourself invited to a party, always act like you don't need to be there, and you'll still have fun because that way you make the host feel way less pressure to say yes. And you're actually more likely to get a yes because the host feels like you're not putting them on the spot. So they're not feeling like you're socially obligating them to say yes. They're not feeling pressured by you. Right. So the way to do this is like, hey, oh, you're having a party at 9 p.m. That's awesome. Well, you know, I was going to go to the rave and I'm going to have a great time there if I go, but it'd be really cool to swing by your party if I'm welcome, right? Because now I made it sound like I've got other plans that I'm going to have a great time at. And if I'm welcome, I'd like to swing by your party. But if I'm not welcome, it's not a big deal, right? I'm making it sound like it's totally chill if you say no to me right there, right? Because I've already got plans. Even if I'm not really planning to go to the rave, if I say, hey, man, I'm planning to go to the rave, like, it's a kind of a white lie. But it makes it, you sound like you've got other plans. So the person you're asking isn't put on the spot to say yes to you or they're going to feel like they're ruining your evening, right? So that's a it's a wise thing to do then what you're more likely to get is yeah sure man it's no problem if you come by and then you can just go to the party right because they said yes you can come because oh man the rave wasn't that cool the dj sucks and you show up to the party right like this is some very common tactic that could be one of my own secrets i do this <laughs> it's a very i used the rave as a secret excuse for why where else i have to be when i'm if i want to get myself invited to something and it works like
1: 80 percent of the time so use a collie trick and I mean, even in cases where it doesn't work, then it's like, hey, like, Not a deal. Nobody, yeah. nobody feels super crushed. It's you never want to bully your way into a party or pressure your way into a party because and, and you do have to accept no as an answer, because for a lot of parties, you have to take into account con rooms, especially, you know, hotel rooms are small, they're limited. They might have already invited more people, you know, as many people as they have space for, it might be for a smaller fetish that they're engaging in. It could be for any number of reasons. And you have to accept no as no. Don't beg. Don't plead. You know, just just if they say no, then it's like, hey, cool, no problem. Maybe next time. And I know it's tempting to take it personally, but really don't do that. Like, for example, people say no to me
0: still. Like, it's not like just because, oh... Like, you're somebody who I'm aware of in the fandom. Like, yes, you can always come to my party. It's not like you're playing a game of Room Party and it's like the Poppy first showed up and you're like, does, oh, yes, automatically come in. Like, it doesn't really work that way. Like, it really does come down to, like, the dynamic of the room, who's already there, does everybody get along, is there history that's involved? Like, you know, you don't, and you, you can't always know that stuff. And it's kind of gauche to ask. So yeah. you kind of just have to, kind of just have to, like, if someone says no, it's like, oh, all right, man,
1: see you next time, right? And you kind of just have to be chill about it. Now, I know we're talking a lot about, you know, this in the context of a convention, but conventions are not the only times that these sorts of events take place, right? Yeah, absolutely not. And, like, that's the thing. is like, we're
0: talking about this in terms of conventions because that's, I think, the uh, typical species we're talking about in terms of the fandom. But we want to broaden it out because, in some cases, these parties do come up in a context other than conventions as well. Uh, for example... You might encounter this if you're a similar sort of situation if you were at a puppy mosh uh, these can be somewhat similar to these types of parties in certain circumstances uh, you might also experience this type of environment at a private play party if you're invited to one if someone has a dungeon or, and you're invited to like a dungeon party or something like that uh, also membership organization gatherings might have these types of parties as well you might for example uh here in seattle we have the center for sex positive culture which hosts uh play parties semi-regularly So you might be at one of their events, or you might be at an event hosted by a polyamory group, or you might be at an event hosted by, uh, you know, a master and slave together group, or uh, some other leather group. Steamworks. Who knows? knows? Exactly. A a bathhouse, or a Steamworks is one of which might be having an event. You can encounter these types of things in gay bars. You can encounter them all over the place. So... You know, just keep your eye out. And again, an underwear party in a gay bar is probably going to be tamer than an underwear party at a private dungeon. But (laughs)
1: use your best judgment there. And always (laughs) ask what it means.
0: Right. Exactly. Because sometimes it's used more euphemistically and sometimes it's used more straight on. Like At a bar, it's probably literally just you wear your underwear. That's the party, right? But... And somewhere else, it's not going to be just that necessarily, right? So be careful there.
1: I mean, in New York City, there's a day that everybody, you know, strips down to their underwear and they ride the subway um, all the way up from Uptown in Manhattan down to uh, Far Rockaway in Brooklyn. That is not going to be a sexy, fun time. It's just people riding a train in their underwear. So (laughs) even though it's like an underwear party on the subway, it is not a sexual underwear party on the subway. So as always... If there are rules, make sure you read them, especially if it is in a membership organization. If it's at a public location where people, you know, can pay to get in, like a club or you know, bondage bar, anything of that nature, make sure that you understand the rules and the regulations, so that way you do not step out of line. Yeah, and you know, some people might
0: ask, like, why would you even go to this? Is it just to get off? Like, is it, is it just about sex? It's a pretty reasonable question. And, you know, honestly, yes, it's largely about sex and voyeurism and seeing people nude or nearly nude and enjoying bodies. And that's nothing wrong with that. Like, I mean, enjoy. People who attend these events are there to be looked at and to to look, right? So that's part of the fun. But it's not just that. I mean, think about it. When you're doing icebreakers and you talk about, like, visualizations for when you're nervous about giving a speech, what do they always tell you? Well, imagine that the entire crowd was in their underwear, right? So it's actually a great icebreaker. It's a wonderful for community building. It let People let their guard down. They're more approachable. It's actually a really fun social environment because people are way more less likely to engage you when they're already in a kind of vulnerable position. And that can be kind of fun. So it's not just about the sexual release. It can also be about kind of building community with people who start out as anonymous strangers and end up
1: being friends by the end of it, right? So that can be a lot of fun. You know, there's another whole thing to this. It's It's a lot of people... When we talk about the fandom at large, or we talk about any kind of community, the gay community, the poly community, people come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different employments, um, different walks of life, different stages in life. And this kind of strips all of that away. You might be less likely to talk to somebody if they're always dressed, you know, in a sharp, tailored business suit that you know costs thousands of dollars when you just wear. You know, khakis and a and a polo, if that. So it takes away the pretense of all of the other, you know, society you know, burdens of society or or things that society will put on somebody. It takes away all the labels, and the only labels you gotta worry about are is that Andrew Christian on your underwear, or is that oh okay, that's a nice brand. So it kind <laughs> of it kind of you know takes all of that away. And it makes it a little bit easier. Um, Like you were saying, it makes it a little bit less inhibited for people to build relationships and build the community in a way that's a little bit more fun. And, you know, it depends on how you're hosting
0: your party. I mean, sometimes these can be very, uh, shall we say, body type exclusive. Uh, And it depends on how you're hosting your parties. But the way I tend to host mine is I tend to be more body positive and sex positive and not exclude people based on body type. So... In that case, I think can also be kind of a democratizing, like fun, liberating experience where, you know, it's kind of like everyone is in their, uh, is in the right setting to just kind of enjoy being themselves without feeling like they're not. You know, right. self-conscious about it. When the expectation is everyone's going to be in their underwear, you are less self-conscious about being in your underwear, right? And so it kind of – it can actually really help people who have a lot of body image issues because they feel like, well, everybody's doing it. Now I'm part of the herd, right? So it's kind of like it, it's not – it's a bit more – you know, you're less exposed even though you're quite exposed. So, um, <laughs> you know, that can actually be a lot of fun. It can actually – for me, going to these types of parties helps me get over a lot of my own body shame, because I was able to go and socialize and enjoy myself and not feel like I was repulsing people. And that really helped me. And it really helped me feel good about myself. So I'm a big fan of these types of things, if they're done correctly, because they can really help people with body shame get over that. And that's kind of cool.
1: So how did you because like, this was something that, you know, I, I was kind of experienced with, you know, in the club circuits, you know, different types of parties, but how did you come across this?
0: So I just, uh, being a young, inexperienced furry, dating a slightly older, more experienced furry, uh, in the form of a fox, um, at my very first MFF got invited to a rather yiffy room that was having an underwear party on my very first night of MFF, my very first con, well, second con actually. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was a good experience. (laughs) <laughs> and it helped me a lot with, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> com- coming out into the fandom, I guess. Right. And so I think, you know, I think it's good to kind of pass that along as being a potentially positive, affirming thing. I think a lot of people feel a lot of uh, insecurity or nervousness about going to uh, a party like this and about being judged. But it's, it's really, it's really not about judgment. It's really not about that. It's not about people, you know, sizing you up. It's about everyone being in the same boat. Yeah. I've so I think yeah you have to, have to look the right perspective on it and realize you're not you're not showing up to be judged and that really changes your mindset a lot.
1: I found that, you know, in cases like this, it's more about, you know, mutual enjoyment and what's good for the what's good for the goose is good for, you know, the gander. What's good for one person is good for everybody. And they tend to be rather judgment free. I've been to one or two that have, you know, had slightly judgmental individuals, but they don't tend to last long. And what I found is that people that are judgmental at these kinds of events, the judgment is coming from inside the house. They're judging other people because they judge themselves so harshly. They have such a either a highly negative body image or they have such a overly inflated sense of what their body is. They're like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so good. Nobody can ever measure up to me. It's underwear parties tend to be more about letting the ego go and just kind of being yourself. You're not your body. You're just an individual having an experience with other individuals. And it can be kind of liberating in that way, I find. But, you know, we, we've spoken a little bit about underwear parties in past episodes. And I know that a lot of people are curious. They're like, how, how do you find out about these? Because it seems that you, Vero, tend to be the Rolodex of underwear <laughs> parties. So
0: Well I mean, again, <laughs> I hate like people acting like oh Vera, you know everything, but like that's totally not true. But like it I mean I mean I have a highly active account I guess on E D Twitter, which means that people tend to think of me when they think of sexy slutty parties. Which I'm not sure if that's a compliment, but I guess. Take it um take it as I'll, one. Take, it, I'll take it as one. So I tend to get invited to them, but I also tend to host them. And I've been hosting them semi-regularly at, I won't say every con I go to, but I, like, usually, this year's, this year's been an off year for me because I've been really busy and I haven't had time to plan things, but usually I host an underwear party at least once at cons that I attend. So I do have one plan for MFF, actually, on the Sunday of MFF. It'll be, like, a recovery uh, underwear party, so that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm working on the planning at the moment. But the thing is, yeah, so it's usually, like, you know, I have a friend who's hosting one, Like, or at least you know somebody on Twitter well enough, or they, they, they think of you when they're hosting an underwear party. Uh, so be, being well-connected on AD Twitter might be one way. Um, another way might be, you know, and I, I that kind of sucks, right? Because, like, well, n- know somebody popular. is like, oh, that's thanks, Vero. Oh, that's helpful. I know. That's not really helpful advice. So um, the other routes are Telegram groups are really useful for this. So, especially the more, this is going to sound weird, but the more fetishy telegram groups, because a lot of the more fetishy telegram groups host their own parties at various conventions. So, not only should you be joining the After Dark telegram group for, like, the con you're going to, but also, if you have any particular kinks, like, oh, I'm really into armpits, I'm going to join the musk chat, or I'm really into, you know, diaper play, I'm going to join the diaper chat, I'm really into whatever. So, go find your your unique kink chat, or I'm really into the hypno stuff, I'm going to go find the hypno furs, right? So... And then, if they're hosting a party at a con, you'll then know about the hypno fur party, or the diaper fur party, or the, I don't know, what, 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 what random kink can I pull out? Feet. The feet, yeah, exactly. Sure, the paw party, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, or the, or like another really common one is um, pool toys. There's often like a pool toy party, And inflated. Um, yeah, Infl- exactly, yeah, the inflated the party. If there's like a, a, a pool at the at the at the con or something like that. So you know, look look out for your your kink groups and and on Telegram. There's a uh, free telegramgroups.org I think It's yes. like some hyphens in there. You can Google that. It actually will list out and be a searchable database of Telegram groups for various conventions and other also kinks and other fun things. So that can be a good way to get kind of connected in. I did mention 80 Twitter already, but again, you can just kind of, I, I do this occasionally at cons. Like I'll put out a call at 9 p.m. at a con. Hey, does anybody know of any good parties going on? Hashtag this con, right? Like yeah. that works. I've, that I've had very good success with that. Again, that's going to be like, well, I only have 20 followers. Like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to have better luck with that with 4,500 followers than you are with however many you have. That's just unfortunately like, I, hate, I always hate recommending stuff like social media because like, yeah it totally comes down to how many people you happen to be connected to and that's not something you have control over so directly anyway so like that's not really the most helpful advice that's why I recommend the telegram stuff because that's a bit more democratic and I think that's a good good a good plan but
1: well you know another way of social media might be like for affinity which has the different groups you know the different fetish interest groups and a lot of them coordinate events through their Fur affinity group pages so that's another option
0: yeah totally i, I figure out for, for affinity because i think i last logged in in like the late 90s but <laughs> um <laughs> but, you know that's an option um yeah so that's and then you know the other option the route i end up going because i guess i'm a bit maybe it's because i'm a dom maybe it's because i'm a colleague maybe it's because i'm a control freak but i like being the one who hosts so um i just like to throw my own because that way i, I know alcohol is going to be there I, I get to set the rules. I know that I'm going to keep running a tight ship in terms of making sure nothing, nothing bad happens and that nobody's getting hurt or assaulted or messed over. Uh, and I like making sure that my guests are safe. And I like kind of betting who's going to be there. And it makes me feel comfortable. It makes my guests feel comfortable. And
1: everybody has a good time. So I, I like going that route. You know, what are what, but, what are some of the rules that you think are most important though? Like because I'll be honest, Vero, you tend to put more of these sorts of events on the night. So you're kind <laughs> yeah, of the- I posted I posted a fair share. Um, so you know, one thing when you're hosting is
0: like we're kinda of gonna get into the play party etiquette at this point, and we're gonna get into like the etiquette of, of showing up and then also the etiquette of, of, of hosting. I think we actually kinda of can talk more about just like etiquette overall at first, like what the expectations should be showing up to one of these, and then we'll actually get into the etiquette of hosting, because I think hosting kind of has a lot of the same uh, issues as showing up, but then adds a whole other layer of other things, so we'll kind of save that for for, for the dessert, if that's okay.
1: It's kind of funny, you're, we're talking about the layers of hosting an underwear <laughs> party when the point is to take off your layers, but really, it is a rather nuanced sort of it's a It's a palm of weird, okay? <laughs> um,
0: so, you know, play party etiquette. So, You know, what it really comes down to is all the basic rules we always talk about are going to come into play. Things we always talk about being things like affirmative, enthusiastic consent. Yes means yes. And communicate before just doing right. These are all extremely important, even in the environment of an underwear or a sex party. However, there is a huge caveat to this. And I think it's something that that isn't often discussed in the context of yes means yes. But I think it's really worth mentioning. Because as big of a proponent of yes means yes as I am, there does come an issue with these types of events where I do feel like attendance is a form of pre-consent to certain things happening to you. And that's because you do need to be aware of the expectations and the normal standards of behavior at an event you're attending, and that's on you to figure out. If you're at an event that involves sexual play, it's on you to figure out the etiquette and the expectations of that event. And if there's expectations or norms involved in that event that you are not comfortable with, your option is to remove yourself from that event. Your option is not to change the culture of the event to suit you. So while I am a huge proponent of affirmative enthusiastic consent and yes means yes, you also need to take into account that you are saying yes by showing up to whatever the expectations are for that event. And if you want at some point to say no, then you need to remove yourself from the event. (laughs)
1: Right, that is your option. There are. This is a very heavy caveat. Um, yes, it is. And and is this
0: not, by the way, not everyone's going to agree with me here. This is hugely controversial. I'm stepping out on a limb here. There are people who are going to say that I'm a rape apologist for saying that. But my point is, I like to go to puppy moshes. Okay, let me. This, this is just an example. So at a puppy mosh, this is actually a huge. So I'm in a local chat here in Seattle with the Seattle Pups and Handlers because I'm a member. Right. And we go to, they have moshes. And it was actually recently super controversial whether biting was acceptable at a furry at a puppy mosh. And like puppies bite. It, it's a normal thing to like, they don't bite hard, but like it's a normal thing for puppies to kind of use their muzzles and do that, right? It's a puppy behavior. And the whole point of a mosh is to be in puppy headspace and act like a dog, right? Dogs don't go around asking each other, hello, may I bite you, sir? Like, so that's not reasonable at, in that environment. And it's understood that if you're showing up to a private mosh, that's being hosted by a membership organization, and you are a member of that organization. You are literally signing up for that behavior. That is that is the point. So if you show up to a mosh as a puppy and you're, you're wearing your mosh tag and you say, "Hey man, you didn't ask me if you could bite me first, the, that puppy's going to turn around to you. If they, if they're, I mean, if if they don't if get out of character at that point and they throw you off the mat, <laughs> they're going to ask you, "What the fuck, man? You're at a mosh. What the hell do you think was going to happen, right?" So in that situation, being really upset about a puppy acting like a puppy is like, what the, no der. If you And if you're like, well, I'm new here. I didn't know. Well, then that's why we, if you ask any, literally any puppy, they're going to tell you to observe before you join. Because that's the, I mean, it's on you, right? You need to figure out what you're comfy with. And you do that by watching the group before you join the group. Once you join the group, it's a little late because... You can then kind of work to change the culture of the group from within, but you can't just suddenly demand that the group cater to your wishes and whims. That's not reasonable, and it's not fair to the group because they formed their private group because they wanted to indulge in a certain behavior, and you don't get to tell them what that behavior is now allowed to be just because of you being there, right? right. That's not okay. So don't take it over by being, you know, a little bit of a snowflake and saying, you know, I'm not
1: okay with this because you know that's cool.
0: But then, if you're not okay with it, why are you there,
1: right? You know, one thing that I will say, and this is just for me personally, I I do think that, you know, we'll we'll talk about underwear parties. So for most underwear parties, um, groping might be something that is, you know, something that is just the norm. Like you show up, you're in your underwear, you shouldn't be at all miffed if somebody grabs your junk, if it's a co-ed or a female, only female bodied, um, sort of event than maybe somebody cups a breast that tends to be fairly normal behavior at an underwear party if it is sort of expressed i'm just going to throw out there
0: that i mean whether it's at, at any underwear party if you are not comfortable being groped you shouldn't show up and i'm not saying that because like i'm like i'm saying oh man you just shouldn't be there or, like you don't deserve to be there or like shame on you or like anything like that i'm just saying you're not going to have a good time because it's like the odds of you getting groped are so incredibly freaking high that you're going to have a bad time so you need to get you need to be you need to make peace with the idea that someone might grab my butt or my dick or my balls or my pecs or my breast right like or someone might throw their hand down my pants. Like, that shouldn't happen, ideally. But those things do happen at underwear parties.
1: And I think if you aren't okay with that, showing up to one is a recipe for a bad time. So that's why it's always important to ask. if. Whenever I get invited to any kind of a party, I say, what is this typically like? What sort of behavior can I expect? And if, for example, I'm not really feeling up to it, I can say, oh, okay, well, thanks for letting me know I'm going to pass because I'm not really feeling up to being, you know, being felt up. I will say that there are certain behaviors. I'm not feeling up to being felt up. Did you really just say I, that? I, I did just say that. Oh, yes. Goddamn. <laughs> you should be proud of me. I came up with that on the fly.
0: I, I'm really proud of you, actually. <laughs> I knew while to process it. I'm like, wow, he did that. That's cool. I needed to, I needed to take a moment and praise <laughs> you. Thank you, Metrico for bringing that into my life. You're welcome.
1: But one of the things that I will say is that there are still going to be boundaries, Um, For example, if you're at an underwear party, that isn't express consent for all sexual behaviors. And it is important to note that no still means no. For example, if somebody starts, like, tries to mount you, you can say no. It's you do kind of want to ask about that ahead of time because, again, at some parties, the idea that, well, this is kind of a, you know, enthusiastic consent, polyamorous style orgy and you know attendance is kind of consent to hey we will probably all be engaging in some kind of sex act so with the understanding there you have to kind of weigh your options do you want to perhaps engage in sex with some people the answer is no then maybe you don't attend but even then i've been at some parties where people have tried to top me and i'm not really that much of a bottom i can say no and it doesn't really interrupt the flow of things you just have to do it in a way where you're not screaming and shrieking at people. No, I said no. What the fuck? What the fuck? You don't want to interrupt the the flow of the party. You could say, no, I'm not really into that. Maybe I can top you. And then like that, the action continues. So a couple of points there yeah. that I want to make. First off, so I think when I was talking earlier,
0: yeah, I may have come across as saying your only option is to leave if you're not comfortable with the group's dynamic. There, it, that, That's in the aggregate. But within the context of, like, let's go back to the example of puppy mosh, right, that I was talking about earlier. If I'm engaged with a particular puppy, and that particular puppy doesn't feel like being bitten right then by that other particular puppy, they can communicate as a puppy by growling or backing away or, you know, turning their head towards the person biting them and then slowly backing away without turning their head away from them, right? That's all dog language for, you were threatening me, back back the fuck off, Right. So if you're a puppy and you should be – ideally, you should be able to read puppy dog language, like body language, because that's the whole point, right? So, like, you know, back off. Don't do that. Now, if that person continues, then you are allowed to break character, right? So when it comes to the point of borderline sexual assault where someone's making advances on you that are unwanted and they're not respecting your attempt to communicate without breaking character or breaking scene – then at that point you whip out the safe word, you call over the moderator, you do break character and say fuck like, hey man, fuck off, get back, get, get away from me. At that point, you please do scream and, and yell and break the scene because you don't have to sit there and to be sexually assaulted. That's not okay. Right. right. So I think magic, what you were saying, Metrico, is ideally if the person you're talking, you're interacting with, is actually willing to accept a no, start out by saying no that way. But if they don't respect your initial not breaking scene, not breaking character no, then. Break whatever the fuck you have to, including their
1: nutsack, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Because you know, it's it's one thing that people kind of assume is that play parties are anything goes, no holds barred, and that that is not the case. There are when it comes to play party etiquette, underwear party etiquette, things of that nature. Yes, still means yes, and no, still means no. Attendance does mean that you consent to certain behaviors. Being bitten, being groped—that means guessed. the default. Look, you know, furries are often into computer scientists, right? So
0: let's say that attendants, attendants might toggle your default. Attendants might toggle your default and certain behaviors to yes. So let's say you're going to an underwear party. If you're if you're in the environment of an underwear party, that might toggle the default consent state from no to yes for certain things like groping, right? At a at a, pup, at a pup, uh, mosh, that might toggle the default state from no to yes on things like being bitten having your butt sniffed um you know those types of things like <laughs> those types of yeah. dog behaviors right. right right so um okay so if that's the case then you have to realize that state can still go back it's not like no is no longer an option that person can still toggle that option to no by saying you know what i don't want you sniffing my butt so no to you but yes to maybe somebody else, but no to you because it's not, I'm not feeling it, right? So I'm still allowed to say no to you in particular. I can always say no to anybody for anything, right? No is always an option. And you, that's, that's very important. But there's a way to communicate no often without breaking scene or breaking character. And that's often what you want to try first, especially if you're in a, in a play party because you don't want to ruin the scene for everyone, right? If you, can, if you can avoid it. However, if somebody isn't willing to quietly accept your no and then isn't willing to quietly accept your safe word, then your next option is find the person in charge or someone who's deputized to be moderating safety. If it's you're at a private party, it's going to be the host. If you're at uh, you know a moderated event, it's going to be somebody who's you know a referee or a you know whatever the person's role name title in that organization might be. But you know who that person is ideally before you get started. Go find that person, make them deal with it. Otherwise just break character make everybody around you deal with it because you don't have to get raped again. Like that's yeah. not you never have to get take sit there and take it ever. One hundred percent. And
1: that's that's an important point so. to make. It's it's you, you want to kind of understand that when we talk about pre consent, we're talking about, you know, you're, you're, you're default state yes your default state is yes you know people might grope me and if i don't want that person to grope me i can politely decline i can kind of push their hand aside and say you know not really feeling it right now but thanks you know you, you can i don't have the, but the thing is I, I don't have the right to be offended if they do touch me yeah right that's but that's then a,
0: after that point after that point like, oh hey man i'm flattered but not really feeling it mm-hmm. right and another then at that point they need to stop and if yes. they don't stop, then you can be offended, right? Correct. And
1: another thing that's kind of important to note is, let's say that you're in a closed relationship, right? You you shouldn't go to parties like this if if that state that default state is toggled to on, and expect to just kind of not participate. It, it, it's it's you don't get on the mat at a mosh and just kind of cower in a corner and growl at anybody that approaches you. That's not really. Yeah. Fair African. play. Yeah, yeah,
0: not great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that gets me to a point that you kind of, you know, related to this too. Like, you know, if, you're really, if you are you really have some default states that you know are set to no because, say, for example, you're in a close relationship, then you need to make sure that you're the one taking ownership of that, right? So let's say that, and this is going to, I'm going to relate a really hilarious example that actually freaking happened to me at <laughs> one of my parties, okay? This actually happened. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. And then I, I, I actually just, I watched it the entire evening play out and it was it was, it was was hysterical. But anyway, so let's say that your relationship terms demand that you maintain certain boundaries, right? It's up to you to maintain those boundaries. You don't get to make it everybody else's problem. So this is what happened. So this guy shows up to one of my parties, okay? He shows up, he brings there like a large amount of booze from his room, clearly intending to like, Party of the night away at my party. So, you know, that's great. You're totally welcome. Awesome, man. Glad you showed up. Party is getting in full swing. He, he adds his liquor to my bar. Everything's great. we we got some EDM blaring. We've got everyone's in their under getting in their underwear. Like, things are looking good. Great parties happening. And then this guy just, like, loudly is like, hey, everybody, everybody, listen up. I just need to tell everybody here that I am in a closed relationship and that... I really can't have anybody touching me or, or even really looking at my junk. I want to be, I don't want to be, be out of place here. So I'm going to get in my underwear, but I just, I'm in a closed relationship. I am not on the menu. Like, he's like, okay. He's like, and I need all you guys to know this right now because I'm going to get really drunk. And when I'm drunk, I'm not really good at saying no to things. <sighs> so I really, I just, all of you guys, I need you to pay attention. You need to listen up right now. I'm going to get really drunk, okay? (laughs) And, of course, what proceeded to happen is this guy, like, literally got fucked on my bed. Like, it was not – it did not go well, you know? But, like (laughs) – and, like, clearly his ploy there. And I'm I'm sure what happened is he went back to his partner and said, well, I told everybody that I – I told everybody about our – like, I told everybody about our relationship, man. It wasn't my fault. I told everybody, Right? He was just trying to escape any and all blame for what he damn well knew was going to happen to that party was that he was going to get shit faced and have sex. And he wanted zero percent responsibility for that when he went home to his partner. And that was hilarious. But also, I
1: I, like his poor partner. Right. You know, disclosure of that nature (laughs) does not absolve you from responsibility whenever you attend any kind of party. You know, whether it's a mosh, whether it's an underwear party, whether it's a fetish party you still have agency and responsibility to yourself and to your prior commitments and responsibilities. So you can't just, if, if your partner, if your spouse, your mate, whatever, if they say, yeah, you can't have sex, you can't, you know, no touching other people, yada, yada, yada. And you go to a party and you're like, well, I'm going to get drunk. So it's not on me. It's on you. Uh uh-uh. uh That doesn't cut the mustard. That that's not that's not how it works. <laughs> I honestly, I, I like the
0: moxie of that, but it is so misguided that hilariously not okay. And then um, yeah, and like it just, I just oh man, and that relationship by the way did not last. I, I happen to know that that relationship did not last like more than another week beyond that. Yeah, so it don't is. feel too bad. It was it was pretty moribund at the time. So which is why yeah,
1: like oh man, <laughs> the, poor, the poor you know. That guy's poor mate. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, you know, I, there, I, I, it's, it's, I, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around that. It's, it's, that's definitely the unethical way. It, it was
0: hilarious to watch, though. Was, the thing is, like, I always wonder. I don't think that this kid did not seem like he was clever enough to think it through to this, this degree. But I was like, wow, man, that's a whole—that's a wonderful way to get laid at a party. Because you're just besides a huge target on your back, <laughs> like, man, i' I'm, I'm off I'm the forbidden fruit. Don't you dare touch me? i'm I'm taken. I can't be touched. Like I'm gonna get drunk, and I won't be able to control myself, but don't touch me. Like, holy crap, you just made yourself sound so appealing. <laughs> not, yeah. I mean, not appealing to anyone who's ethical, but so appealing to anybody who isn't, right? Like holy crap. And you know, the unfortunate way to announce that you're
1: going to be a slut if you get if anyone comes on to you later. and I'll be honest, especially at a lot of these parties, if somebody makes that announcement at the beginning, an hour or two hours later, people are probably not going to remember because there's a lot going on. You get in the mood, you get into the headspace and things like that. You don't really take into account because, again, there is the understanding, this pre-consent that the toggles for everybody is set to yes. And if somebody doesn't tell you no at the time, then it's you may not recall what happened an hour, two hours, three hours earlier. So, again, the onus is on you as the attendee to set the expectations for yourself. And just as a recommendation, if you are in a closed relationship where sexual contact with people other than your mate or your mates is prohibited, you should probably not attend these kinds of parties. Just as a gen- Or if you do, don't, don't get in your underwear. Stay closed. Or attend with your partner or your mates attend as a group. If you were all invited, I make it a point to kind of say you should try to involve everybody. If your mates say, well, no, we're not really interested. Maybe reconsider your personal involvement. You can, as Vero said, not get naked, stay you know, more clothed. You can be there to enjoy the drinks, to enjoy the company. But when things start maybe getting a little bit more sexual, that's when you recuse yourself and you wish everybody, Hey, everybody have a good time. You know, let me know how it goes. I'll catch up with you guys later. And you leave. But you
0: know, Hey, magic mm-hmm. do you know the other problem with the whole pre-disclosure thing, not really working out with the whole, you know, I'm closed. I'm sorry. I'm closed. I'm in a closed relationship, not clothed relationship. <laughs> that's a different, that's a different thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of those great divorces if you're in a closed relationship. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, I'm going to hell for that one. Yep. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that parties are in a state of Heraclesian flux. You can never really step in the same pile of fur twice at a, at a fur party or a fur pile. Um, people come and go. Sometimes literally and sometimes not literally. But people do come and go. Yeah. (laughs) And and as a result, the people who are there at 11 p.m. might not be the people who are there at 1 a.m. Or they might be 40% the same people. But there's going to be a healthy number of people who show up from the rave late or who, you know, leave to go to the rave and then come back later and forget about that they met you already. And all sorts of stuff happens, right? So, like, don't expect everybody to remember that you made that announcement. You can't reasonably expect that. And also, if you make think you can make that announcement to every person who comes in the room, as this person, by the way, did until they got so drunk that they kind of just weren't doing any; They were too busy getting fucked on my bed to make the announcement anymore. Um, But (laughs) they were literally walking up to everybody who came into my party and harassed them, saying, hey, man, just got to let you know you can't touch me. I'm like, dude, (laughs) this is not cool. Like, man, you are so putting a damper on my party. This is not cool.
1: You know, and and I kind of want to talk about you know, coming from my perspective, um, in most of these parties or events that I've been a part of, I've always been in the role of um, overseer or dungeon monitor to use, you know, more of a, you know, common parlance. It is Or moderator. Yeah. I mean, all the, o- over, yeah, all these things. It is things. incredibly yeah. selfish if you attend one of these events and you expect the monitor, the dungeon master, whatever term is used to be your guardian angel 100% of the time. It is incredibly selfish of you to say, okay, well, your job is to make sure that nobody con- you know has sexual contact with me. That's not the point of a dungeon monitor. That's not the point of a moderator. The point is for them is to ensure that no means no is being enforced. And if you're saying no to everything and you expect for them to enforce that for you, it is incredibly selfish of you because their job is to overlook everybody, not just you. And it puts a very heavy burden on them. And again, it alleviates you in an unethical way of any responsibility of your For your actions. So don't go to these parties expecting, well, the host is going to make sure that nothing happens to me. They might be wrapped up in something. They might have another thing going on. This might be a multi-room sort of event, and they might be in another space trying to take care of something. They might be in the bathroom, for all you know. So it's important that you don't put everything on another person. You always have self-agency, and you are responsible for your actions. In such events, so bear that in mind. Yeah, one thing I will
0: point out too, like just again to empathize with the people involved. Sometimes when you show up to a party, you don't really think about who it is you're inconveniencing. But let's say that you show up to my party, okay? So now let's let's fast forward a Sunday night of Midwest Fur Fest, and you got invited to my underwear party that I'm having, right? Which is going to be fun, and you're lucky enough to be on the invite list. Awesome! So, you know, you show up and, like. The people who are there, who are the moderators, are going to be—it's me and my pack mates, right? So we're the ones hosting the party. So that's—that means that if you burden us with having to keep you totally like off limits the entire time, well, number one, I—to be perfectly honest with you, I would say, oh, sorry, probably not the right party for you. Yeah. I'd probably just ask you—I'd probably just ask you to leave. That's not because I'm going to be mean. It's because here's the issue: if you do that to me. That means that basically, I have to devote myself or one of my pack mates to watching you the entire time, yep. and that person basically just got told they don't get to ha- they don't get to go to the party. They no longer get to actually have fun or even participate in the party, much less you know enjoy themselves. Yep. They are now your babysitter. So I refuse to do that to one of my boyfriends or myself. So no, you can't come and do that. That's not the point. The point, the idea is. If myself and, let's say, Koji, my husband, and, like, you know, let's say one of my mates for them, who's all going to be MFF, we're all hosting, right? three of us are hosting this party. There are three moderators in that situation, right? The three hosts. They, ideally, we also would like to be participating and enjoying the party and socializing with our guests, right? Because people who are there at our party, ideally, probably also want to socialize and meet and chat with us, and, like, that's normal to do. I don't want to only be moderating. So with three of us... Ideally, only one or two of us need to actually be moderating at any one point because it's only one small room, right? So the idea is that way a few of us can be socializing while well, one of us is either pouring drinks slash moderating, right? That's kind of the flow is one person's bartending slash moderating. The other two people are generally enjoying themselves in the room doing, you know, whatever in that situation. So you need to realize that if you expect if you show up and expect one of us to be moderating you full time, that means that you just, again, one of us no longer can do that. We can't participate in the party anymore. We've taken out, we're taken out of the flow and you've now overburdened the other two moderators so that we can't rotate jobs as often. And nobody's really enjoying the party anymore. So you just ruin the party for the hosts. And like, if you really want to be that selfish to ruin the party for the people who are nice enough to throw the party, I kind of question like, dude, that's not cool. Right? So as, as, as much as I'd like to have you at my party, if you really can't handle what the
1: expectations are of the party, you shouldn't be at the party. Yeah, 100%. It's when it comes to these sorts of events, you have to, again, this is why asking these questions like, hey, what is expected of me? What is the expected behavior? What typically happens if it's something that, you know, you're not going to be comfortable with or is not within the bounds of your ethical relationship terms, then you should not accept the invitation. You should not attend Again, the onus is on you, the individual, the attendee, to maintain your relationship boundaries. You can, as always, say no, but again, if you're just saying no to everything and the point of the party is for people to mingle and probably have some form of sexual contact with each other... You probably should not attend. If you do attend for some parties, you stay for the drinks, you stay for the socialization, and then you leave. But when it comes to the sexual portions of such events, you should probably recuse yourself, or if it is strictly a sex play party, you should not attend. That That's really my recommendation there, because if you're wanting to put the burden on somebody else, if you want to put the burden on the host to protect your virtue as it were
0: it- and now other ways of burdening the host are also important to keep in mind so one of those is also knowing how to hold your liquor and knowing your limits so you don't show up to a party get super wasted and like projectile vomit everywhere or like you know on the bed <laughs> or like you know any of those types of things like number one don't get so drunk that you're puking number two if you are going to puke puke in a Place like the bathroom that and into the toilet. Don't act like, oh, it's not my room, so I can just puke any old place or anywhere in the bathroom is fine. I don't have to aim. Like, dude, like that's my room, right? So now I have, to, I have to clean that up after the party. And like, you just made the bathroom available for everybody else. Yeah. The rest of the party. Thanks. <laughs> so, like, yeah try to keep that in mind. Like, d- you know, don't have a tragedy of the common situation here. Like, you know, make sure you're aiming. Try to be as conscientious as you can possibly be because otherwise you're ruining it everyone else's night basically um you know and that's just a really important thing to keep in mind just for like you know just because frankly if if you're the puker and you're the one who ruined everybody's night that's not something that's easy to live down either so just keep that in mind like you're kind of committing a little bit of social suicide there not that it should be that way but like i just i know from experience having witnessed this that people don't tend to ha- do well socially after that kind of thing happens for a little while. So yeah. just be a little mindful. That's one situation where a little bit of forethought can save you a lot of pain down the road.
1: You know, you you definitely don't want to be known as, Hey, I'm the person that showed up to this event and I barfed all over the bed and I ruined it for everybody. That is a yeah. surefire way to get yourself uninvited from other events. And that is a great way to be labeled to ad- get my
0: blacklist.
1: Yeah. So, One thing that I do want to to comment on a lot of these, you know, events and and maybe less so for yours, because yours sound slightly less, you know, they sound, they sound more informal than like organized play parties, but a lot of play parties use dungeon rules. Uh, They borrow from the organized leather communities, swinger communities, BDSM communities and yeah, you often hear the phrase dungeon rules are in effect,
0: right? I actually do say that even with my part. I say dungeon rules are in effect because that kind of gives you a default set of expectations that a lot of people will be familiar with, right? But we can go into what those are, and I think you're about to do that.
1: Yes. So when we talk about dungeon rules, um, the, the, the most standard dungeon rules are going to be, hey, if you're not part of a sex scene or a sexual action that is in play, that is ongoing, if two people are sucking each other off, if somebody's eating somebody out, Do not insert yourself into that scene. Don't disrupt the scene (laughs) unless, 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 unless you are very intimately familiar with the participants and are absolutely certain that they would welcome your participation.
0: Yeah. So let me give you some examples there to make that spell it out really clearly, right? Because I think this is actually kind of a tough concept if you you don't have some examples to, to picture it. I'm, I'll come up with an example right now. We'll put this in a, a different situation, but where our dungeon rules also come into play. So let's say that um, uh, myself and Koji and Rhythm, for example, are at a play party and I step out for a little while and come back. And when I come back, I see that Koji and Rhythm are 69ing, for example. Okay. Cool. So this being, these being my mates, right? Like few people that I'm in relate committed, a committed relationship with, it would totally would be reasonable for me to like walk right up to them and join in, right? Because these are people that, again, that, that's that exception, right? People I'm intimately familiar with and certain my participation would be welcome. There's no way in hell that either of them would be like, what, Vero? What are you doing? Like, this is completely unexpected. Like no one's questioning that behavior, right? So it's fine. But the thing is, so you might see somebody do that at a party, right? Let's say that, I, again, I'm at a, I'm at a public party and I just walk right up and join right in without saying a word. And you would think, so then you see that and think, like, oh, well, that means I can do that. You have no idea how those three people know each other. So if you just see me walk up to my mates and I jump right in, you aren't aware of the fact that the three of us are fluid bonded and in committed a committed relationship with both of those people are in committed relationship with me right. that are sexually intimate, right? So- you can't just do the same thing because you are already not in that situation. You don't know the situation or the, or what the, you know, you have no idea, right? You can't possibly know. So you can't just assume that from from looking at what one person's doing, that it's okay for you to do that if it's, if it's this kind of thing, right? You still have to, that's one situation where just observing is not sufficient because you don't quite know
1: what the arrangement is between those individuals. You can't possibly know that. Yeah. So when we talk about dungeon rules, that's really what, you know, one of the core tenets. You know, in most cases, it's fine for you to watch. You can watch, you can maybe finger yourself or fondle yourself in whatever way you enjoy doing as long as you remain unobtrusive. So if two people are sucking each other off, you don't kind of mush your face right against their bodies so you can watch them. It's You'll often see two people or three more people engaged in some kind of sexual act. And somebody that, you know, is watching might be standing, you know, a step or two away and maybe stroking their dick or fondling themselves, but they're doing so in a way that doesn't draw attention away from the scene itself. They're not making, they're not, oh, 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 they're not being incredibly loud. They're not being obtrusive. They're enjoying the scene that is playing out. Now, another thing to note is part of being unobtrusive is not interrupting the scene. It is not asking, hey, can I join in? Hey, hey. You don't walk up to two people that are 69ing and tap one on the shoulder and say, hey, can I get in on that? That's not how you go about doing this. Yeah, so I'm going to give you another example, okay? So let's
0: go back to my example from earlier. And let's say now Koji and Rhythm have been adventuresome little foxes and have found a wolf to drag back in this party and are in the middle of work jointly worshiping a wolf. Okay. So Mr. Unknown stranger wolf and my two mates are now getting it, getting it on. And I walk in on this, right? So this the dynamic is now shifted. I no longer know all the people who are involved in the scene. And now I have to apply my dungeon rules, right? Because even though I'm intimately involved with Koji and intimately involved with rhythm, I don't know, random stranger so now my approach to this scene is i stand by and i watch them and maybe i'm getting hard and enjoying myself because hell it's really hot to watch my mates worship some guy right so i'm now standing to the side watching this and enjoying it and let's say that there's now a natural lull where koji and rhythm both roll off of them they're kind of laying beside him all three of them just happen to look up at me this is now a natural lull in the action right this is now the time when it would be appropriate for me to be like hey guys Can I join you? Or would any of you guys like some help? Or, you know, some flirty, cute way of saying, like, mind if I get up, take my clothes off, and start playing with you, right? Or whatever it might be. But you can ask that in a kind of playful, cute way, but that's your opportunity, right?
2: Yeah. Don't
0: do that. I don't do that when they're in the middle of, you know, jointly sucking his dick, right? That's not when I'm like, hey guys, can I, like, can I, like, help you out, man? Like, that's not exactly the correct time to just randomly insert myself, right? Like, when his eyes are closed, and he's his head's rolling long back, and he's just, like, in the throes of passion, and then I'm like, yo, man, that looks like fun! <laughs> like, that's not
1: the right... No, don't don't fucking do that. You don't break the scene. Now... Don't break the mood. Yeah. One thing is, it's a completely different story if that's happening, and again, we'll continue using your example, and Koji and Rhythm are worshipping his dick, he's kind of laying back, and... You know he's enjoying it, and he looks up and he looks at you, and he kind of waves you over. At that point, you already know Kojin Rhythm. They're okay. They're cool with you. Yep. And he's yep. he's cool with you now. So at that point, I was waiting. Yep, I'm waiting on consent from the stranger in that situation. At that point, right? so I now obtained it, and now I can join in. Exactly. Yep. So that's one of the things that you want to wait for. It's you always want to get consent to join in on a scene, but you don't want to interrupt the scene, the act. Because the moment that you break the scene, you break the mood, it's very difficult to rebuild. And in a lot of cases, you can push people away more. Than- you just triggered a lot of resentment and anger in the people you were trying to join. Exactly. So that's not good. So that that's really one of the you know key elements to a dungeon rule. Now, there's one thing you know, I'm looking through everything that you've written. There's one thing that I do personally for parties that I organize where different kinds of sex acts can be happening, whether it's oral, you know, analinguists, you know, full-blown sexual intercourse. It's, I like to use a color method. So I have non-toxic body paint. And for people who are interested in engaging in specific play, not everybody likes anal. Not everybody likes oral. You can use body paint or a color sort of code, something that is not worn, to kind of signify, hey, this person is open to this kind of activity. So for people that are only interested in oral, maybe they have a green swatch of color paint on their front and back. For people that are open to everything, maybe they have a blue swatch of paint color it's a method that you can use especially in larger parties that help people kind of congregate to one another to understand the kind of sexual play that they're interested in i tend to follow the hanky code of uh, colors that way people can especially again if it's a larger sort of event where there might be multiple fetishes at play and Kind of pre-consent is a given. That way people, if they're interested in engaging in musk play, can find somebody that's also interested, and they can kind of skip some of the awkward, potentially shamey sort of language. It's a good method, but again, for smaller con you know, room parties, that may not be an essential requirement. What is important to understand, though, is that no does mean no. If you want to engage in something that is perhaps a little bit more fetishy, something that's... You know, hey, you know, I really want to worship your armpits, which, you know, I know is something that you personally might. I'm not try. sure why you're picking on my, you're not sure why are picking on my kink's man. I'm not, that's I'm fine. not, hey, I'm not <laughs> king shaming you. You just happen to be like arm over your head. You're just like, and, and that's what triggered it, to be quite honest. Um That's fair. That's fair. It's you know <laughs> there there's some kind of kinks where some people might react in a way that they don't mean to. Like, hey, can I worship your you? Somebody might be like, oh god, no, and they don't mean it to be in a sex shamey way. It's just they they're in one mindset, and you kind of that's weird. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get that reaction a lot. I I do ask the question because I happen to enjoy doing that, but
0: I have to at least expect the. Oh my god, that's a weird reaction. Occasionally, right? Like that's
1: so. The color method for larger parties is a great way to go about that, especially if you're like, I want to eat some ass. Like, not everybody's into that, so it's a good method. Um, again, strictly for larger parties. For smaller parties, I, I would yeah, recommend I- I- it because it, it's- and I know people who do
0: like they do like you know different colored glow sticks or different colored like yeah. bandanas or whatever. That's the scrape but like. The fact is, it, the problem is with that, it's like the Her- Heracletian flux problem with parties, people kind of flowing in and out. You don't necessarily know that the late coverants of the party are, number one, going to get one of the things, or number two, going to know what they mean. And people tend to forget what they mean. Or or do they put random ones on and like like pink yeah. blue does that mean that doesn't that mean that you're a bottom top what does that even mean yeah. are you a switch like and so you get you get all that it ends up being really freaking confusing and it actually ends up being more of a problem than a help at at least towards the end of the part, which
1: is why I recommend this strictly for membership organizations where you have an individual who is strictly responsible it's um, a door person who is responsible for handing that out and you know what the membership is going to be so you can plan ahead. Um, so and you know what everyone is going to be on the same page about what everything exactly. means. Otherwise, it's like yeah. Yeah. otherwise it's just like what the fuck? It's a glow stick. Like ooh, ray. Ooh, candy. <laughs> I thought that meant you were. I thought that meant you were a fisting bottom. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> so, so that's that's definitely one of the things that you can kind of you know point at. Um, and if you see that being used at an event or a party, it's always good to ask what they mean. But for smaller parties, especially at convention parties, I would advise against that because again, not everybody is going to be on the same page. It's it's as Vero said, it's always in a state of flux. It's it's you know, as people come and go, as people mingle, as people leave to go to the bathroom, everything kind of changes. So you don't want to kind of put an additional layer on people when of of expectation and understanding when that can break the scene. So. Yeah. But that's a dungeon rule that you might encounter in larger, more organized membership organizations. So yeah,
0: thank you for pointing that I out. I did want to min- mention. Yeah, it's
1: I did once. Yeah, mention definitely that.
0: worth mentioning. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I just want to march through a couple of these next few points just because, in the interest of time, uh, I want to make sure we get on talking about the specifics for hosting too, and we'll have a little more extended discussion of this in the show notes too. If you guys want to check that yeah, out, go for it. so. Um, this one's kind of basic, but don't come in or on anybody without permission. Like, if you are one of the people in the Greek chorus who's like watching a scene, and you know that you're a shooter, don't don't spray the people you're watching with your jizz. This is something that I've experienced at a, at a root party as well, and it's not. I mean, it was not the worst thing, but like, I don't want some random guy's jizz on me. Like, I don't mind the jizz of somebody I'm expecting on me, but I don't want unexpected jizz. That's not unexpected. <laughs> come. That that that's like a maybe that's a band name waiting to happen. I don't know. That's I think we need need to make that happen. We'll make it happen. But we need to make that happen. But uh, don't don't make your come unexpected. That's not that's not cool. Um, Another thing that's really think really important. I want to spend a bit more time on this one is make sure that you are actually reestablishing and obtaining that consent as you're escalating your sexual activities, especially if if not entirely clear that what you're asking consent for at first is more than just what it is in the immediate context of, right? So let's say that I walk up to somebody at a party and I'm like, I'm like, you know, walking up to them, but we, we make eye contact and it's an underwear party and then I go in and I grope their butt and they, they smile and they, they they laugh and they respond positively and then maybe they grab my dick. And then later on, we go out and grab drinks and we circle back around and I, I bump into them and now I just walk right up to them and shove my hand down their ass crack and start playing with their butthole, right? that's not cool. (laughs) I made a huge tactical error there and that's not okay. I just acted like they consented. So I, the initial thing that I did was something that was, now we talk about those default toggles, right? In that situation, my butt grab and their dick grab, that was all guessed guessed at from the default toggle being switched to yes in the context of an underwear party, right? But I've now escalated the sexual activity to something that the default toggle doesn't switch on, which is touching my butthole. That butthole touching is something that I think pretty much almost always requires affirmative consent, except at some very liberal parties. You might find it at some very kinky, raunchy uh, environments, right? So I definitely should have gone out of my way to establish consent for that particular action before just going for it. You can't just shove a hand down somebody's pants because they, they let you grope them at an underwear party. That You might think, oh, this person likes me. Like, No, that they might like you, but it you don't necessarily know that they... Like you, they might just be comfy with you get, get, getting groped because they know they're at an underwear party, right? right. So you need to make sure that you're establishing that at, at consent when you're escalating beyond the things where the default toggles switched. This is things like, I spell out for you in case you're not clear, putting your hands in somebody's underwear, uh, going below the waistline, uh, adjusting, like taking the underwear off or attempting to take the underwear off. Uh, you know, things like in, in an underwear party, at least biting, any kind of mouth contact. Uh, penetrating in any way with anything, including like finger, mouth, dildo, toy, random, anything. Uh, Fingering them through the underwear. No, none of that. Uh, Kissing, performing oral sex through the underwear. No, none of that. Not without reestablishing that consent because you're not taking it into a sexual place that you did not automatically get to go just because you're at an underwear party. Any of those things are a violation of of that person's boundaries unless you've gone out of your way to establish that it's okay. And that can be nonverbal. Like, I don't mean to say that in every case, it's like, hello, sir or madam, may I please place my hand in your underwear? Like, that's that's not exactly what we mean. It might be my hand is slowly going towards their waistband and I like pause for like very slowly and I'm kind of working my way towards it and my hand's going slow, working its way down and I'm millimeter into the waistband, another millimeter into the waistband. I'm making eye contact the entire time, looking at their face, smiling at them, ensuring that they are smiling back, monitoring their body language, making sure they're not recoiling, making sure that, so that's how you do it. That's actually a way of asking for consent non-verbally, right? I'm doing it slowly enough and obviously enough that they have time to tell me know very easily or to give me any negative signal whatsoever if they don't want that activity happening so that's a way of establishing consent non-verbally i can also say hey it'd be really sexy if i was if you if i could put my hand you know down your underwear right now it'd be cool if i you know play with your butt without having to feel it through the fabric like that'd be really nice you can if you can make it sound sexy and you want to do it verbally too go for it that's cool but my point is, you need to establish the consent somehow, not just freaking go for it. <laughs> that that's not okay.
1: You know something that really always upsets me is this mentality that to obtain affirmative consent, it has to be done with like a liability form, and everybody has to sign it. And it has to, to be sound neurotic, totally right? That's yeah. not the case. Like again, you can do it no. entirely non-verbally, uh, just like you mentioned. You can do it um, slowly. Um, there, it's it's it's. There's are so many ways that you can go about getting nonverbal affirmative consents that the mentality that, oh, it has to be done in writing and every, you know, do you wish to engage in intercourse? Like, you don't have to be robotic about it. You don't have to be entirely sterile about it. You're there to have fun. So you want to obtain that consent, but you don't want to do it in a way that kind of breaks again that mood. You don't want to... You know, well, how about this? How about that? How about this? How about that? Well, my doctor says that I should engage. Yeah, it's it's
0: it's. <laughs> well, I think you know, one of the, honestly, one of the stereotypical examples for this is kissing. Yes, because we're like, like people if for some reason with kissing, they they get it. How do I establish nonverbal consent? Well, I think any time you've ever leaned in to kiss somebody and you looked at them and you saw whether they leaned in to meet your lips or not you established affirmative consent without asking or using your lips beyond the, for the kiss, right? Like yeah. That's how that works. So you clearly do know how it works. Just apply that in other contexts. There, are,
1: You go in for it super slowly and you wait for them to meet you, right? So always get that consent. And one thing to note is you are in a group setting and there might be individuals who are not comfortable with consenting to certain things in a group setting. It could be I would love to bottom for you, but I really don't like... Not in front of 30 people. Yeah. So understand that they may say no, but they might say, well, how about we go back to my room and we can do that? So consider offering it like that. Say, hey, if you're like, hey, you know maybe we could you know get everything off maybe we could have some fun between ourselves you know i'm not really comfortable doing that in front of all these people oh well maybe we can go back to my room is that something you'd be interested in if they say yes then congratulations put on hotel approved attire and proceed directly to the bone zone if they say no You have to understand no means no. And you're like, oh, okay. That doesn't mean that you have to immediately like push them away and be like, well, I'm done with you. You can still have fun. You can still make out. Perhaps you can still grow up. You can still enjoy yourself. You just can't perhaps enjoy things as fully as you might want. But that's the point of an underwear party. That's the point of a fetish party. Sometimes you're not going to get the the full blown sexual experience and that's fine. That's that's to be expected. If you go, and you know, there's nothing wrong with going to a party
0: and like preening like mad in your underwear, and then going back to your room and shooting a massive load, like jerking off like crazy. Honest. Yeah, I've done that before at my own parties. Like you might think, oh, Vera must always get off at his own parties. Nope, some of them too busy hosting, and like it happens. Like so, don't worry about oh, I I didn't get to finish. Like well, great, I probably didn't either. I was too busy pouring drinks and making sure you didn't like kill each other so (laughs) it's fine you know like don't worry about it like just try to have a good time and don't worry so much about the end game because it turns out bonus are a a renewable resource and it will not be your last (laughs) one
1: (laughs) you know one other thing that we do want to mention is with any kind of sex play there is always the potential for there to be a mess bodily fluids in various forms from ejaculate to possibly santorum one thing that's important to note is if you make a mess you got to clean it up that's it if it is a mess that you yourself have made clean it up now if it is beyond your ability to clean up let's say something has gone horribly wrong and it's like i i can try but i don't know if you're at a hotel and let's say the bed sheets get messy with whatever, you know, you accidentally spill lube and it just gets all over the bed sheets. You can't really clean that up. Tell the host, let them know, offer to help. Like, hey, you know, the bed sheets got all sorts of lube on them. Um, I can take them off and I can kind of put them in a corner, but I just wanted to let you know that because you're going to have to call down and get fresh linen. Like, that's just kind of how it is. Let the host know it's not the end of the world. If there are things that happen that, you know, incur financial, you know, responsibilities, if you make a mess and it causes financial damages to the host, you need to, you need to cover that tab. Like if you're busy fucking and you break a piece of furniture, like you're leaning against an end table and they push really hard and boom, the end table collapses because it's cheap plywood and you know honeycomb particle board you need to tell the host you like we accidentally broke a table um let us know what we owe you and we'll cover it that's how you do ethical play parties if a cost happens you cover it you don't stiff the fucking host even though it's not your room even though it's not your property if you break something you buy it so you can stiff the host if they're bottom and you ask for consent first. Correct. But um, otherwise, no. But theory. there is no fi- <laughs> there is no financial cuckolding happening. Yes, indeed. So make sure that you take care of your obligations. Your obligation is not just for you to have fun. It's for you to have fun in a safe, sane, and ethical fashion. And if something goes wrong, if something breaks, if something gets messy, it is your responsibility to take care of that as best as you can. So okay, yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely. Uh, now, before we turn to
0: talking about uh, briefly the some tips for hosting, which I think we'll, we'll talk about a bit more briefly because hosting is less common than attending, right? But here's some tips for attendees from a ho- host, taken from a host, right? So someone who hosts these types of parties. One thing I really encourage you to do is make sure you're working on reading the room. And what I mean by that is, oftentimes there's a bit of an ebb and flow to the energy of a party in terms of like how sexual it is, how like how steamy it is, and you need to kind of make sure that you're not bucking that trend by doing something at the wrong time at the party. So just because things are going to turn XXX eventually at the party doesn't mean that they need to be XXX 15 minutes into the party at like 7:15 p.m., right? So you need to realize that people want time to get to know each other, to get comfortable, to get out of their clothes, to have a few drinks, to get, you know, warmed up. And so, if you were like there, and you're like, "Wow, I'm totally out of my clothes, and here's my raging boner, and let's fuck," you're going to scare off tons of people, and they're going to feel really uncomfortable because you didn't read the room correctly. So that's going to spoil it for you and for everybody else, and the host is going to be, is going to be pissed, and it's going to be a bad time. So what I would do in that situation is, if you're like really, geared, like I don't want to be there until it gets steamy. If that's your like, if you're like only in it for that, and you don't want to wait for the warm up. Then in that case, you can show up to the party, and be like, "Hey, just curious. Like, do you think things are going to like turn yiffy, or are things going to get kind of, you know, hot and heavy later?" And you know, it's probably like, "Oh yeah, they'll probably get hot and heavy after eleven when so and so set is done," or "Oh yeah, that you know, when so and so gets back, it's going to get you know, going to get raunchy." A lot of times, the host, if it's a party that they've held before or they're really kind of tied into the convention, they probably have a time in mind when they think things are going to finally start getting sexual, and you might wonder. Well, how could the host possibly know when things are going to turn sexual? Well, that's because, like I told you, if I'm hosting my party, myself and Koji and Rhythm are all there, I'm like, okay, it's time. I'm going to turn to the two of them. We're going to take our underwear off and probably start doing things with each other, which then encourages everybody else to start doing things with each other, right? So we we are the ones who initiate the transition. And we do that because as hosts, we have certain things in mind. For example, if I'm a host... I might know that there are certain people in attendance who are in that category of people who need to leave before things get sexual, and I don't want to squick them or make them uncomfortable being at my party for the PG-13 portion by bringing the XXX portion out a little bit precociously, right? So you need to let the hosts figure that stuff out and let them determine when it's appropriate to transition the party, right? so wait for myself and Koji and Rhythm to suddenly get naked and start doing things because then you can realize, oh, the hosts are doing it. Now it's OK. Right. That's the cue. So don't don't try to make it go there if it's not if it's not there yet. Right. Um, otherwise, like ask the host, like, hey, is it cool to do X? Right. Like the host. Will be, Oh, not yet. Or like, oh, yeah, totally. Like not. It's always OK to ask. I do not mind being asked questions at my parties, please. So help me God. Ask me something before just doing it. I will far, far prefer that. Um, another thing, not all, again, not all other parties are created equal. They might not all be going there in terms of getting yiffy, right? So don't make the party go there because maybe this one was not meant to go there and you're going to be squicking the entire room by suddenly whipping out your dick. So make sure that you know what the expectations are. A host might get super upset if the party is pushed towards being sexual early or if it's pushed towards being sexual and that was not desired whatsoever. So don't don't do that don't be the first one unless you're the host then you can be the first one but don't be the first one if you're not the host not a good idea unless you've asked yeah. the host and the host is like the host is like yes whip out your suit and go dear son you are deputized get the party started then then do it but otherwise don't do it yeah. uh another thing this is just like a like a, kind of a dying trend but it's a nice gesture and i think because it's dying out people appreciate it more than they used to It's not really used to be a kind of not the done thing to show up to a party empty handed. It used to be common to like bring something because that's like a a polite gesture. So if you happen to have a well stocked bar in your room and you're going to a party or something, it's a nice gesture to like bring a bottle or like bring a snack or bring something to share just because that way the the expense of, of everything isn't all falling on the host otherwise you really the host is kind of burdened by providing everything and they kind of end up being out financially from hosting the party and they're already being burdened by having to moderate and having to deal with the guest list and everything else so trying to burden them financially by also bringing something so they feel like they're getting compensated a little bit for hosting and it's kind of a nice gesture if not, one thing I like to do is I, one thing I often do at I attend parties is I'll take like a five or $10 bill and I'll like slip it somewhere in the room where the host is guaranteed to find it, but then I'll just leave it and not tell them because that way I, they're not, if I try to just give them money, they're not going to take it. But if I leave the money in an inconspicuous place, I know they'll find that way. I know that they'll get it and they'll probably figure out what it was for. So it's kind of a nice, it, it, as a host, it's always nice to find, oh, somebody intentionally left me $20. Like, that's cool. Like it's a nice gesture, right? It's a nice thing to find after you're done cleaning up cleaning up from a party so
1: now one thing to note do not treat these kinds of parties as dinner parties unless it's specifically said so don't show up with like a thing a casserole don't show up you know if you're gonna bring snacks make sure they're like l- finger foods things like pretzels chips. Like, like like yeah exactly non-messy finger foods is your is your, is your safe bet ultimately there. yep you should not require utensils to partake in the snacks um so try to keep it as like waste like reduce the amount of waste, reduce the amount of like extra things that you have to do in order to engage in it. People are already going to have cups for drinks. You don't want to like turn it into like a full, you know. So okay, well everybody sit down. It's a four course dinner. Um, although I will say four course underwear dinners are pretty fun.
0: But um um, but solo cups though are always, always in short demand at these parties. So if you want to be the host's favorite person, bring some extra cups.
1: <laughs> and it's always good if you ask like, hey, can I? Do you want me to bring anything? Always ask if you are invited, because that way the host the host has a good idea of like things that they know that they have deficiencies in. Do I need cups? Do I need ice? Do I need mixers? Do I need booze? Yep. Another etiquette point, um, especially and normally, I think if you're these days
0: if you're attending a party, I think host gifts are kind of still optional, just because it's kind of like no longer 100 the expectation any, uh, But it's, it's still certainly appreciated. Nice to do. I think if you're bringing a plus one who is not actually on the guest list, though, then it becomes almost mandatory because now you're actually further burdening the, the host by another whole other person who they don't even fucking know. Yeah. So, like, bring them something, for Christ's sake. Like, come on, man. Like, don't 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 impose it heavily. It's totally cool to ask about a plus one. But then if the host is nice and just say yes, me like, okay, what can I bring? What else can I bring to the party? Like, I'm bringing a person. Can I bring, like... $20 of liquor, like what else can I bring you, right? Because then then at least you're being a good guest and the host's not going to feel taken advantage of, right?
1: One thing that I would say, this is something that I do to parties that I'm invited to, um, even if I'm not going to engage in the iffy, sexy fun times, I'll bring plenty of condoms and lubes, you know, to distribute to make sure that they're there because that's something that is sometimes overlooked at these room parties. And It's on my list for hosts, though. Yep. I was going to get there. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, speaking of that, then, you know, I was going to dive right in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll let you dive. So how do, how does one
0: host a good underwear or play party? Cause one does not simply do so. Uh, so the first thing is be very careful with your guest list. Might be kind of obvious there, but some people like to do open invite. I really don't like open invite parties and I refuse to go to them. And the reason for that is no one's vetting these people. I have no idea who the hell these people are. Yeah. And frankly, just as you as you can probably guess from showing up at a FurCon, no offense to anybody at a FurCon, but pick a random sampling of people in a FurCon elevator, and now picture all those people nude and trying to grope you at a party. <laughs> Not my idea of a good time. So private invite tends to, or at least semi-private invite, tends to be better. What I mean by semi-private invite is at least like everybody's in the same Telegram group and like has gotten a chance to talk and know each other in, in advance, right? Or... You know, everybody is part of the same kink or everybody's part of the same membership organization or, you know, it, those are kind of semi-private, right? So at least, either private invite, meaning it's all people on a particular guest list or semi-private where it's a combination of that and people who are part of a membership organization or part of a select group of people who all know each other in some way. Um, that makes it okay. I don't recommend the 100% open parties just because... I I wouldn't go to one. I have I traditionally don't. I've gone to a couple actually. Uh, I, I change I, so I, I go to them at play, at concerts that have like party blocks where there's like the parties are all like on the same floor and it's kind of like a sanctioned thing because those parties it's kind of a, it's kind of like a that's kind of a different thing. It's kind of, that kind of falls in the semi-private category. I would I feel like it's kind of like a it's kind of like an in between the semi-private and the open category I guess. But I would wreck like like random open party invite like oh so so and so is randomly having a party you should go to it. It's in this random room. Careful with that, that's a little, a little dicey. But um, one thing I would say is I recommend asking for RCPS. It's always nice, by the way, if you are a guest to RCP, and if you don't know if you, someone else is welcome, it's better to ask, right? On the hosting side, it's better to ask for RCP so you know who's actually going to show up to your party and make it extremely clear that you would like people to clear plus one with you in advance. That way, you know that people are going to show up and if they're asking, "Hey, is it cool to bring so and so," you have a way of saying, "No, it's not cool, or, yes it is cool." Now, you might say, "Well, man, that's really like that's really strange. Like why, Vera, why are you such so, such a stickler?" Well, here's the thing. I vet people for my underwear parties on a variety of criteria. One of them is actually—I I obviously isn't foolproof because I can't possibly know if people are lying to me 100%. But at least they're usually my friends, and I, I trust my friends to some degree. I tend to make sure that people are who are at my parties are not people who I know to be, you know, sexually um, violent, to make improper advances without following, you know, the rules that i talked about we talked about earlier like the the dungeon rules these are people that i know to be conscientious sex partners who i know to look after their sexual health to be up to date on their you know if they're taking prep to you know be up to date on taking the prep if they're maybe if they're positive and undetectable to be you know taking their drugs reliably or if they you know all these types of things right so they're people that i would generally speaking know and trust to be at to be sexual with or that I would consider to be reasonable sex partners that I would be comfortable with for myself because I want there to be a reasonably comfortable environment for other people at the party to be, you know, hopefully, you know, I can't eliminate the risk of there being being zero risk. Right. But I want to reduce risk when possible. So I like to make sure the people at my parties are people who I know to be upstanding individuals from a sexual health standpoint. Um, That doesn't mean that they've never had an STI. It means if they've had an STI, they've disclosed it to all their partners, gotten t- gotten treated, gotten tested. You know, that's what I mean. I don't... So be, to be very clear, someone can get syphilis three times by total bad luck and be a very conscientious sex partner. And I will know that from them telling me they've had syphilis three times and getting it treated and, and taking care of it and being responsible versus the guy who doesn't say that and gets a bunch of people infected. And then I find out through the grapevine, that guy is not so much going to be on the invite list, right? Yeah. So... That's what I mean. It's not the fact that you've had an STI. It's how you handle it if you do have one, right? And if you're responsible about it and you handle it correctly, then I know you're a good, responsible sex partner who's safe to have at a party. Because if something
1: happens, I know it's going to be handled responsibly, right? Right. Exactly. Gino, another idea is you don't want to just invite people that you personally want to fuck. You want to make sure... This is a common mistake. Yeah. It's... I admit... I made this mistake at,
0: at, at when I was very early on doing this. I made that mistake once and I lived to regret it because I realized this doesn't actually to make for a good party. It just makes for a harem.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, harems are not really good underwear parties. So you want to make sure that you have a diverse group of people. I mean, Vera and I, you know, to spoil the fan fictions, um, we don't necessarily want to fuck each other, but we might still attend the same party because we still get along well the types of people that we are attracted to, there might be some overlap in terms of a Venn diagram. However, we have different interests, different tastes, different types of guys that we tend to go for. And so because of that, if Vero invited only people that he was interested in, then it would kind of make me feel a little bit left out. So you want to make sure that the people that you're inviting tend to get along with each other more than they get along with you. It's not a Vero harem underwear party. It is a It is an underwear party hosted by Vero. And that is the important underlying difference. You want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable with each other, that nobody feels like they're left out, that nobody feels that they're kind of the odd man out. So don't just invite people that you want to fuck. Invite people that you know you get along with and that generally get along with everybody there. The rest tends to work out. Again, not everybody is going to have full-blown sexual intercourse. Not everybody is going to find a partner maybe that they can engage with some form of play in, but if everybody is having a good time, the sex, the play, all of that takes kind of a back seat. Again, a party is meant for everybody to have a good time. So if you understand that underlying mechanic and everybody's able to get along and socialize with each other, then you're you're already ahead of that curve so just bear that in mind and also one thing um and this is especially important within the fandom if you are going to restrict attendance to a particular gender or sexual orientation so if you want to have a party that is male only you need to specify that to everybody that you invite if they want to bring
0: and by the way I have to make this point a little bit more specific. And I, this is kind of a really dicey and unfortunate yeah. area because you, you end up being really ex- exclusionary and I, it sucks, but it's also kind of a necessary evil and you might actually have to specify like male sex organ bearing, like in, 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 some way that's not, you can choose how you want to say that. But the reason being some people, what they, what they desire at the party is people who are male presenting and in that case, and, that, and by that I mean like male presenting, and also like has the parts to, to back it up because it's that's the idea of the of the of the party, right? So some people don't want there to be any non-male sex organs present at the party. That's just, I mean, and unfortunately, when it comes down to sex, like that's a reasonable preference to have, and it sucks to be excluded on the basis of not having the right sex organs. But I mean, you can't really fault people for only wanting to be sexual in a context of. You know what I mean? Like I can't really fault the organizers for wanting to keep that sex specific and not gender specific because they're interest, their, their orientation is to a particular sex and not to a particular gender. If that's the case, you can't really fault them for that because people don't choose their desires, right? Um, so you have to be kind of understanding. But I, if you're going to be saying that, make it clear so people don't get turned down at the door because that's obviously no fun. And also make sure you're expressing yourself in a way that's not offensive. So you know, say yeah, like uh, you, know, you know, you know, invitation to, like open invite, male sex only, right? Like, make it clear, make it, make it, make it very black and white. Don't try to dance around it, but make it very clear, and then you can enforce that. But otherwise, you know, you got to kind of be understanding of you know there being some being that because it's not the person might not necessarily be being transphobic; they just don't feel sexual attraction to female sex organs. And that's reasonable. I mean, you can't really fault them for that. It's a sexual
1: party. So that that is a consideration, right? So it is a very delicate issue. And it's something that you should, again, handle with the appropriate language and care because you don't want to say like, no trans allowed. Like that. that's, that's really rough and that's uncalled for. But if you want... Uh, a lot of the parties that I go to tend to be either open to all gender and sex orientations um, or open invite to everybody. But if it's going to be a gay male sort of underwear party, there is typically the stipulation that like, male sex and male presenting. Um, those tend yep. to be the two that go hand in hand with that. And it's not meant to be like, again, as you said, transphobic. It's meant to be more unfortunately that's kind of the requirement for this and
0: because gay men want to be sexual with gay men in that particular context and they're allowed to do that at a private event
1: now one thing that i will say and i do like seeing this um i am seeing a lot more um room parties underwear parties for individuals that are trans or ace or you know uh, not not ace rather but um asexual um or asex agender is the proper term i kind of went through everything there my apologies um that are trans are ace uh agendered people that you know fall outside of the standard binary and i do demisexual yeah, and i do really like seeing that because it does kind of open the playing field um for everybody to get along because at the end of the day a lot of these parties are meant to be, we're going to break down these, you know, walls, these boundaries, and we're going to get to know each other on a more personal, intimate level. And that can be a great way to kind of move past perhaps some of your own biases, but I wouldn't treat it as that. So one thing that does get me, though, is I see a lot of the alt-right for individuals that are like, we're going to report these parties because we're we're not invited. Don't. If you're not invited to a party because it is a party for, hey, this is for uh, furries that are of color or this is a party for transfers or for asexual furs and you don't meet that boundary, you don't get to be upset about it. You, if you don't meet the qualification, you don't get to be upset because if you're going to a party that's for male sex to male presenting individuals, congratulations, you too are enforcing that kind of a guideline. So. No double standards.
0: And one thing I will mention here, too, just as a practicality, um, the fandom happens to be very heavily gay male. And so if you happen to be uh, someone who has female sex organs, Mm -hmm. I would recommend, and this is just an unfortunate situation, a lot of times people hosts literally only think about the fact that males with penises will show up to the party because they're dumb. <laughs> and like, I don't, I don't like ignorant. Like, I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but like, they just didn't think about it. Right. Like, because they're thinking about the people that they are interested in the fandom sexually. And they're thinking about gay males because it's predominantly gay male, but they might not be thinking about the fact that there are other people in the fan who might show up at the party. So if you are somebody, and like, sometimes it's not really clear from somebody's furry name, whether they're male or female. So sometimes, Hey, can I bring so-and-so and they're like, it's X, it's Sparkle Fox. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, sure. Bring Sparkle Fox. Great. Well, I didn't know Sparkle Fox was a girl, right? <laughs> so, you know, if you're asking me if I can bring a plus one, or if you happen to be somebody who's asking if they can come to a party, and you know that you have sex organs that are, let's say, a minority in the attendance of the party, or would be a minority in the tenants of the party, it's not a bad idea to ask, is it cool if I'm there, I have a vagina. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that cool? Because ideally it would be cool. And my parties, I don't give a flying fuck what sex organs you have. I mean, I want everybody to show up. I'm very body positive and I want it to be a comfy environment for everybody, but not everybody is going to be that sexually open or oh, not everyone can be because of their orient, their, what their orientation is. So, you know, just be respectful of the fact that orientation is a thing and that they're allowed to have that. And if you don't meet the orientation requirements, it's not your fault. It's not their
1: fault. You just aren't a good fit for that party. Yeah. Right? I will say some of the more fun parties I've been to are... It's it's not just... It's it's mixed gender. Every It's, you know, co, co-ed. We'll say co-ed underwear parties. Those tend to be the most fun because people tend to be a little bit more relaxed and laid back. But um, again... Each pe- you know, people have their preferences, and as long as they're not being dicks about it, like ew, no vagina, ew, as long as they're being gracious, and you should give them that benefit. Yes,
0: and the reason I recommend a- I recommend asking, is not because I'm trying to discriminate against females. Believe me, ladies, I love you. I'm bisexual, but um, what I the reason I say that is because I don't want you to show up at a party and meet one of those guys because it'll happen. I've, been- I've witnessed it, and it fucking sucks. To, like, suddenly strip down your underwear and have some asshole be like, ew, like, fuck you, whoever that guy uh, is. Like, I'm sorry, that's not that's not okay. The second,
1: but I'm not even joking, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, <laughs> yeah. but as a monitor, as a moderator, yeah. the second that I hear that, you are out the fucking door.
0: Oh, yeah, I kicked the guy that out. That is
1: 100%. Like, if you agree to attend a party and you are well aware hey guess what this is co-ed so you might see man bits you might see lady bits you might see bits you do not want to see you might see people that are overweight underweight it does not matter the second that i hear you or anything of judgment Mm-mm. like laser focus i don't care what i'm doing i i uh-uh, uh-uh. i am like a fucking laser guide a missile to bullshit like that <laughs>
0: don't as i'm fond of saying Metrico, and i think you are fond of this as well the one thing I'm intolerant of is intolerance.
1: Yep. So, it's you don't get to. There you go. So, one of the ways that you can avoid that, especially if it's going to be like a party for gay males or for lesbians, and it is for cisgendered gay males or cisgendered lesbians, is to specify that. And again, you want to do so in a way that isn't like trans people not not allowed, not accepted. It's. You want to kind of frame it in a, this is a party for people that are cis and identify as male and gay or bisexual. You know, unfortunately, yada, yada, yada. And be gracious, be kind, be understanding. It's it's so important to do that. Again, it's, it's a sensitive yeah. issue and there's really no great there way to handle it, unfortunately. There's not. And it's unfortunate. Yep. Because you don't want to be exclusive you don't want to exclude people because
0: it's a, party, yeah, it's a party, but it's also but it's a sex
1: party, so it does
0: make yeah. it different, and you have to be you have to be a little bit understanding. So,
1: so if there's sex happening, you need to make sure that you're being conscious of the preferences of the people that will be in attendance. And sometimes it's better to err on the side of, well, everybody here is male and gay, so we're just going to restrict it to cis may you know, gay males and that's fine, but we'll have another party that's not going to be sex-oriented, and everybody's welcome. But unfortunately, just for the context of this party. Um, so be kind when you come up with those stipulations. Be kind when you come up with those guidelines. And don't shame people because, ew, no, you're a lady. Like, get out. That's that's the wrong way to go about it. So Yeah, keep the rejection as polite as possible and
0: keep it happening before people are arriving at your party. Not, like, in the middle of the room being like, yo... Get your lady bits out of here. Like, that's, bleh, that's don't do
1: that. Um, you know, that is a real dick move. But, um, seriously, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Another dick <laughs> so, move, though, yeah. is over serving your guests. And you mentioned this earlier. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. And
0: this is a huge safety risk, right? Yeah. A variety of re- And liability problem for oh, you, yes. by the way. So, uh, if someone becomes drunk to the point of vulnerability, it's super important, number one, that you stop freaking serving them alcohol. <laughs> And, or stop letting them drink at your party if they're just helping themselves. And if someone you need to like hopefully find somebody that you know that they like they were there with, that they were there with the entire time, like someone you you can tell that was a friend of theirs, someone you know or someone you happen to know knows them well or someone that you know well that you can trust. Like, you know, I could trust one of my boyfriends to do this. But uh, it, you need it, it has to be something you can trust. And the reason for that is what you're going to have to, have to ask this person to do is to kind of monitor them and then at, hopefully, ideally, escort that individual safely back to their own room or at least get them back in a public con space to like to con ops, to con security, to get this person you know in a, an environment where they can be safe and not taken advantage of. Because what you never want to have happen is you never want to leave a person passed out or extremely inebriated unguarded at a room party because that's a major risk for sexual assault. And it happens, unfortunately, frequently, and often is not reported at cons, but I know, I've know i actually known personal friends who this has happened to, where they got drunk when they intended to at a room party and passed out and woke up with a load in their butt that they had no idea how it got yep. there. And that is not okay. So, but the problem, they made a horrible mistake, and that was getting drunk at a party and not having a friend there watching them, right? Not having anybody there looking out for them. And it wasn't a moderated party, so they were vulnerable. Yeah. So, it's really, really important if you're moderating a party or if you're if you're there with somebody, never ever leave somebody passed out or if super inebriated and leave them on guard at a room party because there's a very high risk that they'll be sexually assaulted. There are a few, and it's super important. Like I said, you can escort them back to the room if you know what it is, or if they have a trusted friend who you know is trusted, and that and person personal knowledge is not going to take advantage of that person. You can have them take them back to the room, but one thing you can't do, and this is something you might not think about, you cannot ask a stranger to escort them back to the room, because uh. that person might escort them back to their room. So be very—you can never leave up that person with a random stranger you can't trust, because that person might take advantage of the situation. You don't want to—you don't want to unwittingly put someone into the arms of someone who's going to sexually violate that person. But you need to make sure that they're. Kept safe because you don't want someone being sexually assaulted on your hands as someone who overserved somebody at a party, and then that happened, right? So try to. It's not really. It's not exactly. It's not. It's not entirely your fault. The person wasn't. Well, you weren't being held at gunpoint, and the person you give the person drinks. Well, the person was being held at gunpoint to drink the drinks, but. It's really important. You obviously don't want to have that on your conscience at all. So just you know, be, be, be mindful. Try to make sure that bad things aren't happening. This is a good good practice. You know,
1: A good rule of thumb, if you're going to be having a party like this, some general points of etiquette that I make, if you're hosting the party, make sure that you're moderating the party or somebody that you know and trust is moderating the party. If you're just like, listen, I just kind of want to enjoy. Can you make sure that you're in charge? Two, don't over-serve people. Three, if you are serving alcohol... You need to ensure that everybody there is of the legal drinking age. This is of great importance in the United States, where there are states that if you are having a party and people there are underaged, congratulations, you are going to jail if the police come to find you. (laughs) Be very careful. You want to make sure that there is and, and I hate to say this because there are certainly some younger furs within the fandom that want to go to these parties. If you are going to have an 18 and up party, you might not have the booze. If you're having a 21 and up party, you want to make sure that you are doing ID check. This is going to go a long way in limiting your liability under the code of law. And it's it's unfortunate, it sucks. But for a lot of conventions and for a lot of states, they handle underage drinking so incredibly strictly that you can be banned from the convention in perpetuity, banned from other conventions, and you can find yourself in jail just because you wanted to have fun.
0: Yep. And this is a case where potentially doing uh, wristbands and checking IDs at the door can be helpful. Or you can have a bartender and have the bartender checking ID as they pour individual drinks if you don't have money for the wristbands. But this is a case where you can't have open bar. You need to have a bartender. And then you need to make sure you're not, you're not serving people who are underage. Also, you need to make sure that there's not somebody underage in the party who's literally standing in the corner waiting for their buddies to go get them drinks. Mm-hmm. Because then if you, know, if you see somebody who you know to be underage drinking, you can say, haha, not funny. and you take that from me if i see you drinking again i'm gonna have to throw you out of this party right and then at that point they're out so make sure that i i like to give one warning because you know i understand people want to party at cons but like frankly you can't be doing that at a party that's other people yeah you're exposing other people to too much liability so don't do that at a party That are public more public party, that's not really fair. But you know, that's that's a
1: good policy. Like, you know, if somebody is acting in a rowdy fashion, a sexually inappropriate fashion, or they're not cooperating, especially with laws that you know can hold you to be legally liable for actions, you need to ask them to leave. And if somebody is not cooperating, let's say that there is an underaged individual that is not cooperating with, you know, hey, you need to not drink, don't drink, put that drink down. If I see you again, I'm going to kick you out. If they're like, well, you can't make me leave. At a certain point, don't be afraid to involve hotel security, call con security, have them come in and escort them out. It might be embarrassing. It might break the mood, but it is far better to be proactive in these cases than a few days down the line have con security show up and be like, yo, we heard you were uh, serving underage people drinks or yo, we heard that some, you know, somebody here was sexually assaulted. Yo, we heard you want to be proactive about these kinds of things. It is okay to break the mood for the safety of everybody in the room. Ultimately, yep. you have that say. In the same vein of liability uh,
0: prevention, uh, one thing people like to do at these types of parties is offer a clothes check, which is cool. But uh, if you do that, make sure someone's actually guarding it. Yeah. Because if you offer a closed check and people are leaving their wallets with you, and then one goes missing, uh, whose responsibility is that exactly? Technically, it's yours because you were entrusted with that wallet, right? So unless you specifically tell that person, like, this is at your own risk, and you've got that liability waived, you are liable for anything that is stolen. So... Don't offer a clothes check unless you are willing to guard it to the point where you are damn sure nothing's going to get stolen because you might be liable. So be careful of that yeah. too.
1: And as I mentioned earlier, provide safe sex supplies. You know, make sure that you have a good supply of condoms and lube, different kinds of condoms, different sizes, different types of lube. You might ask people to bring their own BYOC, BYOJ lube, whatever it might be. But make sure that the option is there for people who want to use and practice safer sex uh, practices within their sexual you know, life. I provide a variety of condoms, including non-latex
0: condoms, female condoms, and uh, large-sized condoms. I mean, I've I got you covered. Come to my parties. Safer sex, got you covered. But speaking of safer sex, I think it's a really great idea to establish safe words. For the room as well. If I if I do a moderated party, I make sure that for at least for the sake of the party, everybody's got the same safe word, so everyone's on the same page. And that's yellow means uh, stop what you're doing and check in with me before or slow down and yeah. for inducing enhancing intensity, check in with me. And red means stop, cease contact with me. And then you know that might that mean the end of that particular sexual scene, right? The red is red is stop. So you need to respect those. If someone's not respecting your safe words, you then call moderator over and that's, you get the moderator involved, yep. right? But that's very important. Or if there's no moderator at that point, you just start screaming and, and punching, right? It's yep. like you, you, you get out uh, at that point. So that's that. I don't really have anything else. I think that kind of wraps up the show. I think we covered everything in pretty good detail. Yeah,
1: you know, it's, it's underwear parties, sex parties, at conventions. They're meant to be fun. And I understand that a lot of this sounds like policy and code, and it's kind of boring. But it is super essential, because if you want to have a successful, enjoyable party, you want to have the groundwork, the framework, and the understandings to kind of match up to the expectations. People go to these parties to have fun, to have a good time, to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel accepted. And if you don't go about it with the right mentality as an attendee or as an organizer, you're going to ruin the mood for everybody. You're going to fall into pitfalls. Now, obviously, things happen. Mistakes happen. You know, accidents happen. Somebody spills a bottle. Somebody tosses a drink. Somebody gets sick in the bathroom. Things happen, and it is up to you as a host and an attendee to handle these incidents as gracefully as possible. Now, obviously, there will always be situations that are not meant to be handled gracefully. Somebody that is um, acting in a predatory fashion, somebody that is not respecting safe words, somebody that is acting in an unruly fashion. And it is important to have that understanding, to have that mentality, that if something happens and the scene has to break, the scene has to break. You go to these kinds of parties not with a selfish mentality. You go there as a group to have a group-wide fun time. So you want to make sure that you're not being the wet blanket, and you want to make sure that everybody is acting responsibly to ensure the group-wide enjoyment continues. Sex parties are fun. Underwear parties are fun. If you go to a con and you're invited to one, I highly suggest you attend. But always, 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 always ask, Hey, What does that mean for you? Indeed. We're going to move on to our question though. It's, we intended this episode to be a lot shorter, but we got talking and that was fun. But uh, we do have a good question. Uh, I was asked this on telegram and I have heavily edited the question because there were a lot of personal details that were included. Um, I did answer it on telegram, but I thought that this is a question that a lot of people have. And the questioner wanted to know, how do I move beyond guilt? Um, And again, highly edited, but they ask a few years ago. I helped an individual get close to some of my friends. I didn't know that this guy was an abusive asshole, but he was, I can't get over the fact that I enabled someone to hurt my friends. And while I did everything that I could, uh, I immediately cut ties. I called the police to see if they could help, you know, these kinds of things. I can't stop feeling guilty over this. I feel like I betrayed my friends, even if they have forgiven me, what can I do to make amends?
0: So, I think my personal take on this, since you answered it privately, I'll try it publicly first and you can give you what you, you can say what you said. Um, I feel like the only person you can really ask what you can do to make amends is your friends, right? Because they're the ones who you supposedly harmed. If your friends tell you, Oh, you've done everything you possibly could, we don't we don't we don't blame you, then you need to take that for an answer and stop blaming yourself. So and it sounds to me like you've already done the amends and it sounds like your friends have forgiven you. So in that case, you need to take their answer for an answer and forgive yourself. I, I understand that you're having difficulty getting over your guilt, but holding on to that negativity and rehearsing this in your head and dwelling on it and ruminating on these negative thoughts in this, in this negative history is really trapping you right now emotionally, I feel. And so I think you'd really benefit from trying to think about it as little as possible. And when you do think about it, extend some empathy towards yourself and forgive yourself. Realize that you d- couldn't have known... And that as soon as you knew you did everything in your power and, and everyone has forgiven you. And now it's your turn to forgive yourself.
1: That is essentially what I said. It's when it comes to forgiveness, there is forgiveness. There, there, there is such power in forgiveness. And that extends to the forgiveness you grant and the forgiveness that you also receive. You can't necessarily preemptively forgive yourself. You can't make a mistake and not make amends to I be mean, like, well, I'm forgiven because I forgave myself. That's the sign of a sociopath. In this case, you have done everything you can. You've apologized to the individuals. You have removed yourself from contact from this person. You have contacted the authorities. You have gone above and beyond what people tend to do. It is important that you understand that moving past guilt is a process. It is not something that you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm guilt-free. That's always been one of my issues with religions, um especially Christianity. Uh, I read The Pilgrim's Progress growing up, and it's about this guy who um, is hiking up a mountain, and halfway through, he basically meets Jesus, and he's been carrying this massive burden of sin that's the analogy in this. And Jesus is like, go take a bath in the river, and he comes back and all of his sin is gone, because it's an allegory for baptism. It doesn't work like that. You don't just have a magic spell, a magic ritual that you can do that absolves you and makes you feel good again. There's no kind of transitive or transformative kind of action that you can do that, like a snap of the finger, causes you to not feel guilty. Guilt is a process, and it is something that you have to overcome by yourself, unfortunately. Now, some people use their guilt, and they channel it in order to do a better good. If you've hurt somebody by um, being abusive then you might volunteer for a shelter that caters towards victims of abuse. And that's a way that some people try to work past their guilt. But ultimately, you have to face that guilt head on and you have to be patient with yourself. You have to understand everybody makes mistakes. Everybody fucks up and everybody fucks up on different levels. Holding on to it and being regressive, looking back in the past and only focusing on I made a mistake, I made a mistake, I made a mistake and worrying yourself and letting it not up in the pit of your stomach to where you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't function, it is not really moving past. It is not accepting the forgiveness that has been given to you. If you are forgiven by an individual that you have harmed or you have enabled somebody else to harm them, then you need to say, okay, if they're able to move past it, then I need to move past it. It is a sign of personal strength and integrity to learn from it, but Reliving it on a daily basis isn't living. You're you're looking backwards. You're not looking forwards, and the unfortunate nature of that is you are liable to repeat that action again and again and again until you incorporate that lesson into your life.
0: Now, the point that I was going to make is one thing you might do that uh, can help with this is actually incorporating some ritual cleansing rituals is going to be really important and helpful in dealing with things like guilt, especially once you've gone through the amends the and you're still coping with that emotion. And so actually you know trying to process it while taking a shower or even doing a ritual bath or like a, you know, take, going into a, a river and, and emerging from it or something of that nature. those types of rich cleansing rituals are actually really powerful emotionally as tools. And if you are contemplating and thinking about the right things while you're going, using one of those rituals, that can actually be a secret that kind of picks that lock and gets you where you need to go. And I think sometimes those of us who aren't very religious don't really think about the power that ritual still has. And human beings are really keyed in on, on rituals. They, they are very culturally powerful. And so you can still take advantage of that to help yourself sometimes. And that's definitely a, a, a one thing you can do. One thing I will also mention, too, uh, is that... It gets back to the point of you know ruminating and don't not thinking about this so much. My personal rule for myself is that I only think about past things that I've done in order to learn from them. And once I've learned everything that I can, I try to stop thinking about my mistakes because at that point the only thing that thinking about them can do is make me feel bad.
1: It's one thing that I will say, you know ritual is good. I tend to use meditation as my ritual. I tend to kind of center myself and in- put myself away from other people and allow myself to go back and think, okay, this was a situation that I handled poorly. Where did I go wrong? And how can I avoid doing that in the future? What are the flags I need to look for? If I handle this situation in the future, how could I do it? I don't do what ifs. I don't say, well, what if I'd handled it this way, then maybe this would be where I am now. That isn't healthy. What you can do is say, okay, in this case, I enabled somebody that was kind of abusive to hurt some of my friends. In the future, if somebody, if a similar situation arises, what are ways that I can prevent this from happening? Can I vet the person? Can I ask questions? Can I limit the interaction? What are things that I can do to prevent it? And incorporating that kind of thought in whatever ritual you might you know want to encounter. Because I know people that light sage and they walk around their house and they let the smell of the sage or incense kind of permeate their thoughts, and they allow themselves to enter a thought of mindful meditation. Some people do what Vero said. They take cleansing baths or showers or go to a sauna or go to a river. Be one with nature. Sometimes you find a ritual that works for you in order to induce contemplative thoughts that is guilt-free. And the more that you do that, the more beneficial it can be to you. My point about religion is that for people, baptism tends to be a one-time thing. Like, congratulations, you're good. Unfortunately, with guilt, with mistakes, you will continue to have mistakes and you will continue to feel guilt even after that ritual. You know what I mean? What's funny...
0: What's funny. As baptism emerged as a yeah. ritual, because people were people, people went into the water to feel better and came out and feel they felt cleansed, like emotionally and physically. So it's funny. We took baptism to be a symbol, but then we thought that we didn't need to do the actual ritual anymore, which is the whole going to the water and coming back out thing, which actually still really helps. Yeah, so do it. Baptism, baptism's great, but not in the, not in the religious sense. It's great in the like cleansing yourself physically can also really
1: help you feel cleansed emotionally. Yeah. So So, find something that works and find something that you can do in a ready sort of fashion. If you're like me and you live in the city, going out and being one with nature isn't really something that you can do. Some people take up yoga, meditation, all sorts of things. Go to the gym. You know, that's the iron temple. So whatever it might be for you, find a method that works that allows you to think in a clear fashion and allows you to move past the guilt if you have made amends if you have been forgiven if you are forgiving yourself you need to accept all of that forgiveness because it's the only way that you give power to forgiveness and that's really it it's an unfortunate situation but part of the you know reality of being you know an active member in relationships and friendships with other people and a community or at large is that we will inevitably cause harm to other people. And we can't allow ourselves to ruminate on that because the second that we just focus on the hurt that we cause to other people, we think more negatively of ourselves and we forget the fact that we can bring each other joy and positive reinforcements. We all are a combination of our successes and our failures and our mistakes. And the people that tend to be more successful either come from a shit ton of money or they do a good job (laughs) of learning from their mistakes and not repeating them in the same fashion. So for younger people, that can be a difficult lesson to learn. And so I highly recommend if you are younger and you feel guilt-ridden, you kind of take this to heart because... The good news is that no mistake really is forever, and with time and with patience, almost anything can be overcome. So, unless you killed a guy, uh, like I'm that sorry might that, that, that might stick with you. Yeah, that might stick with you. I tend to it. say that like the only like, <laughs> like when people are like super guilty, I'm like, "Did you kill somebody?" and they're like, "No," and I'm like, "Good." So. This is a mistake that can be go overcome. Like, the second that you cross that threshold, you enter Voldemort territory. Like, almost it's in self-defense, in which case, or it's accidental. Like, anywho.
0: The fringe, the, anyway, we always get to the
1: edge case yeah. we try to be too thorough. But Thanks, anyway, Bureau. That's, that's why the show's two hours and 16 minutes. Yeah. Long. On that note, we're going to go ahead <laughs> and close out the episode. It's um, next week, we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about sex. But we're going to talk in a more futuristic fun time. We're talking about furry sex. We're talking about yeah. We're talking about how the furry fandom engages in sex and how the sex that we engage in influences the sex at large, whether it's done online, whether it's done in person, how we as a sex positive fandom should be engaging with each other.
0: We'll touch on RP. We'll touch on VR. We'll touch on all sorts of fun things. It's going to be a good episode. So
1: there's a fun article that I have from somebody that lives in the same city that I do. It's going to be a good time. So- a history of Furry sex. Basically, it's gonna be fun. A few yes. a future looking Yes. a retrospective forward thinking. <laughs> We're going to tomorrowland, <laughs> everybody. Hop on board. If you have questions, if you have comments, feedback, anything of that nature, visit our contact page on our website, feralattraction.com forward slash contact. Many ways to get into touch with us anonymously. You can call us, leave a message. You can hit us up on Telegram. As always, we do recommend that you send us an email as we are not always at the computer and we cannot always offer individualized responses. You can also, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can leave a rating or a review on iTunes or the Google Play Music Store, wherever you happen to listen to this podcast so it receives higher visibility and more people can reach it. Sharing our tweets, sharing our content goes a long way in helping produce more content, so it's kind of like a self-eating snake. It's kind of nice you want to contribute you know in a monetary way we do have a patreon and you can become a patron of ours we have many tiers ranging from shout outs to hanging out with us at a con if we are mutually attending we do the shout outs at the end of every show and one such patron of ours is miss Hyde. now miss Hyde is participating in a streak for tigers around the london zoo on the 10th of august that is tomorrow everybody tomorrow if you would like to know how to support her running around the zoo naked and fundraising to protect tigers in the wild, then find details at her Twitter, at Sparks. That is in the show notes, along with a link to the fundraising page at JustGiving.com. Please, 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 please donate to Miss Hyde. It is a good cause. We, need, we are so charitable at conventions, this is another way to be charitable and also to make one of our fandom members run around naked at the London Zoo which is a cause that I support, regardless of the tigers. <laughs> Snares is another longtime patron, longtime friend of the show, and he has a Patreon dedicated to comic projects. Uh, he does comics about kaijus, macrophers, size growth, things of that nature. His Patreon is a one-stop shop for, really, commission and artist info. His comics, there are page updates on a monthly basis, and you can get them for just $1 a month. Visit his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash snares. If you're looking for something on the literature side, if you like the written works, then Tsar Paulus is a, an author that recently has had a short novel published with the Thurston and Hell Press that is titled The Pride of Parahumans. You can check it out on Amazon. You might be interested in also looking at his other works in the para Imperium universe um, at his website, paraimperium.wordpress.com or contributing to his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash czarpaulis. It's sci-fi, high-tech, speculative fiction work. Or maybe you're looking for a new friend on Twitter. Well, Myron has you covered. Their Twitter handle is at MyronTheFluffy, and feel free to follow them for pictures and daily red panda dog ramblings. Take a walk on the fluffy side of life on Twitter. We're going to go ahead and close out the show this week. It is 40 minutes longer than we intended, but that means that we had a good time. We hope that you had a good time as well. Thanks again for listening. And as always, until next week, I'm Metrico. And I'm Vera the Science Collie. Be well.
2: (laughs) The (laughs) top (laughs) of (laughs) The totality, 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 the total, 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 the the better to do 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 the better.